Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Afternoon Tune. I'm your host, Josh, and with me is my co-host here. It's your boy, Nick. And uh, with us, we got two special guests joining us today. We have Jenna with us. Hey, Jenna. Hi, ho. And we have Reese joining us back again. Uh, it's nice to have her hey. back. Uh, she was with us a little bit ago, uh, just like uh, last week, wasn't it? Or a couple weeks ago? couple weeks ago yeah a couple weeks ago uh so it's good to have these two back uh jenna if you just want to introduce yourself a little bit you know just let people know you know who you are wow. and what you do a little bit i have to introduce myself now i thought i was an honorary member of well you know team. <laughs> you know just in case new people show up you know always good to you know have introduced and yourself I want my two million dollars back we made that deal you said I would be honorary member. Oh wow! Trying to scholar Johansson me now, huh? Jeez. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Nick is Marvel. Oh, made Mickey it. Mouse. <laughs> made it big, and now you want some money. Yeah. Oh, I know you guys are monetized now. <laughs> yeah, affiliated. Yeah, Twitch um, affiliated now. I'm Gina. That's that's just me. I'm I'm out here in Ohio. You can follow me on Instagram. Damn Gina. I'll. The end, but yeah, been rolling with you guys for some time now. Yes, yeah, very well. So yeah, uh, Reese, what about you? Uh, let people know what you're all about. Uh, artist yourself. Yes, I like to draw things. You can find my art at Reese Luna on Instagram, and you can also catch me in the Double Toasted group. I'm a moderator there, so come hang out. Uh, yes, Reese. Yes. Okay, I'll start <laughs> hanging out there now. I haven't been on Double Toasted. I, I haven't been on there in years, man. It's it's. Where you been? I'm the OG yeah. with Ganja and them and Ali. Oh, OG okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. And I put some of her art up uh, from Instagram up on the stream there. Very very nice, beautiful art. Very good work. Um, I saw, so on your IG story, I think I saw that he said you were opening back up uh, pretty soon or like in a couple months. Commissions? Uh, yeah, commissions probably in January-ish. Okay, Still January. on that, but. <laughs> okay. Yeah, feels like a ways away, but it'll be here before we know it. So. Yeah, it's <laughs> already four months until the new year. So, yeah. Yes. Yeah, holy. Yeah, so this year has went by pretty, pretty fast. Yeah, so, yeah. So that time will come in no time. Um, all right. So for this show, uh, we're going to be doing Candyman. Uh, that's the big thing that came out this week. The only real big thing that really came out. Um, and mm-hmm. after that, we're going to be doing Vacation Friends. It's a movie that came on Hulu. Uh, John Cena, Lil Rel Howery. Um, so that, that movie that wait, came out. Wait, wait. John Cena was in that? Yeah. John Cena was in it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know. That's I think that's like the longest running joke any. Damn, ce- I couldn't see him. Yeah, the longest running joke any celebrity has ever had uh, was probably John Cena. Um, so that movie came. Hey, you out. can't see him. They're very true. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> classics right there. Uh, but um, so we're going to discuss in that, and then we're going to do some news real quick. Going to discuss, of course, the Spider-Man trailer, No Way Home. Um, then OnlyFans they switch back. So by the time we put out the video. Before with the old OnlyFans, and by the time we put out that video, they already switched, reversed their decision. So now we look stupid talking about the old OnlyFans decision because they reversed it within like a week. So, uh, but we're gonna be talking about the switch there. 
Um, and then after that, uh, Superman and Lois, because they um, just had their ended season one last week. So we did a binge of it coming to review it this week. And then Titans, they're also on their season three currently. So we, we went back, watched season one and then season two uh, because season three is out right now. Um, all right. All right. Everybody doing good? Everybody doing all right? I'm good, yeah. I'm a little mm-hmm. I'm a little high, a little tipsy, so I'm good. <laughs> okay, a nice little buzz going on, okay. That's perfect. That's, that's the best that's the best work <laughs> meetings, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, all right, so with Candyman, uh here we have uh the twenty twenty one film, uh directed by Nia DaCosta. It is Nia DaCosta's Candyman. It is not Jordan Peele's Candyman. It she he produced it and yes he did co write it, but Nia DaCosta directed it, and she also wrote the film. So I, I, I've been seeing that like when it was trending on Twitter. Yeah, you, you, yes, you, you don't call a Blumhouse movie Jason Blum's such and such. You extend Nia DaCosta that same courtesy. Yeah, so it is. Agreed. It's uh, Nia DaCosta's, you know, Candyman, because uh, I saw it trending on Twitter. Uh, Shit, that was like three times already, man. You gotta be careful. Oh yeah, true. Well, this does this count as a reflection? Does this count a camera? That's a reflection, right? Does that count? Come on, Brad. Let's not. You can see yourself. <laughs> oh, okay. Try it. I'm not playing. <laughs> yeah, this... Candyman. <laughs> oh. God wow. damn it, Brad. Uh, so I want to know something that it, they didn't do in the movie. I wish they kind of answered the question: Is if you do say his name. But then it's like the next day, does it like restart over? Do you have to do it like in a continuous sequence or? I w- uh, don't do that to her film because they didn't even answer in the first one. What? Well, yeah, I know they didn't. Five times, he pops up. Coming to you. Yeah, I just, it doesn't matter when, it just will happen. Yeah, I was just wondering because I was just like, they never, I was just something I was curious about because I remember somebody brought that up. I was watching a review for the old Candyman and then somebody made that point. It was a it was a YouTube channel called Prim's Hood Cinema, and then he made that point of like if it restarts or not. I was just kind of like, oh yeah, that's a good question. Yeah. So if I you know if I say it three times, but then go to bed and then wake up and then say it twice, does it still happen? I wonder. But uh, I'm not going to try that. But let's see. Uh, but so in this uh, 2021 movie here, directed by Nia DaCosta, it is a spiritual sequel to uh, uh, the first film. Uh, directed by uh, his name was Brendan Rose, uh, I believe. Uh, yeah, uh, Bernard Rose. Ah, Bernard Rose, writer and director of the first movie, based on the Clive Barker story, The Forbidden. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, so it is a spiritual sequel, as they say. Um, even though the film did have two sequels before this one, um, I've never seen the two sequels. Uh, they don't count. Them. Yeah, so I've never seen them before, so I I have no idea what they're even about. Uh, but it, it did have two other sequels. But this one is direct line to the first one, this 2021 film, and this is direct line to the first one. It heavily references the first one. It mentions the plot of the first one. And then in this one, you have uh, Yahya Abdul-Mateen uh, in this film, the second, uh, who is a artist uh, living in Chicago uh, in the Cabrini-Green area in this nice, beautiful apartment with his beautiful girlfriend, uh, who's played by Tiana Paris. So, you know, usually kind of in the film when you have a dark-skinned man, it's rare that you have two really good-looking dark-skinned people together in a movie, um, male and female. So that's kind of rare that you kind of see that. So here you do have two really good-looking people uh, together. And so that's pretty nice. And they work in the art world. He's an artist, you know, a, you know, kind mm-hmm. of one of those artists that has work that gets, you know, shown in a gallery and an exhibit. 
Uh, she's a art dealer. Is that what she kind of did? That she was an art dealer or? No, she's she's a curator. Okay, curator. Like or art director. Okay, yeah. So art curator, art director, and he's yeah like an artist that you know kind of like shows his work in the exhibit. Um, his work is kind of going through a little bit of a rut, you know, trying to find inspiration. You know, a lot of people say, like, I miss, you know, because he was this rising star coming out of, you know, college. And people say, well, your work has kind of not gotten stale. You know, we need something fresh, something new. So that's when he starts doing an investigation when he hears this story from Tiana Paris's brother in the movie, uh, who's played by the actor from who was in Misfits. Uh, I forgot that actor's name, uh, but Nick would probably know, but he's from uh, the, the British show called Misfits. But he was there, and then so he tells the story of Candyman and, and what that's all about. And you know, they tell the story of the first film about Helen and uh, you know what happened to her. And that's when he kind of gets inspiration to research more about the story, and for that to be his inspiration for his new kind of art project to, to, in order to premiere at the art exhibit. Um, so I'm just going to go around a little bit um, just to get you all's general thoughts on the movie. Uh, so what did you guys think about it there, Nick? I, unfortunately, that because of Japan's movie release schedule, oh. I didn't get to see this. Oh, right. I forgot. Right. Nick didn't get to see it. Right. Right. Japan doesn't really like black people like that. I forget. Uh, uh, right. Yeah. Strangely, <laughs> horror is like the one thing that doesn't really translate. Though. Yeah. I forgot about that. Uh, Jenna. I'm sorry. Uh, I forgot about that. Uh, Jenna. I was, what is I, was, I was falling in love with Bubbles. This <laughs> is just so cute. I love that dog. Um, okay, well, I, as an avid horror fan, I would just like to say that I am very proud of Nia DaCosta, and I'm very grateful for Jordan Peele um, to have a black woman helm a horror film, and it actually, like, get a green light. It's very, very rare. Uh, I grew up on horror. It's the reason why I do practical effects. It's the reason why I love film. Uh, um, Clive Barker's uh, Candyman was one of my favorites. I didn't always agree with the of how the social commentary of gentrification and the portrayal of a black man as a villain. I didn't really agree with the critiques of that time. Although they're valid, I just disagreed because for me, it it was Candyman because I like the vengeance mm. of it. Uh, you rarely see, other than Tales from the Hood, you rarely see a uh, black horror where we finally get vengeance. Um, mm. So it's like black black people can be villains too. It's okay. Unfortunately, we can't really bask in that because we are so much villainized outside of the cinematic movies. So it's kind of like literally a catch twenty two almost for black folks who like horror. Um, so with this film, <laughs> let me just say that um, I need her to keep making films. This film was wonderfully made. Um, my main issue is actually with Brianna, the girlfriend character. I felt like she was written... I I'm gonna need y'all to write the girlfriend better. Um, she literally was the epitome of the type of a black woman, you know, who dates her father, basically. The stereotype that all black women tend to date you know, their father who was there, who wasn't there. So I wasn't really feeling that being her kind of character motivation. And she didn't really have a character arc. Her character didn't really go through any major transformations. It literally was just a surface level um, observation of what it is to be a black woman to 
or a black son. And it just didn't, it didn't give what it was supposed to give with Brianna's character and also with Anne-Marie's character, who of course was um, Yaha's, that was his mother. But this film is, it's paced so well. The editing is phenomenal. The cinematography, phenomenal. It seems like everybody on this product, on this product, on this production understood why they were there and it was completely coherent. This is actually one of my top films of 2021. Uh, I have yet to see a film that is this technically uh, competent, written well, acted well, the cinematography's done well. I don't, I was trying to find the plot holes. I couldn't really find them at all. And it didn't take itself too seriously. So I appreciated that. So I really, I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. I've seen it twice already. So mm. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Wow. Um, Reese? Oh, how do I follow that? <laughs> that was really good. Um, yeah, I would touch on a lot of the same points. I thought the cinematography was gorgeous, and I'm so looking forward to what Nia DaCosta does in the future because I feel like she's a great visual director. She has a really good eye for symmetry and kind of framing shots in a way that create visual intrigue, so I really, really like that. Uh, Troy, the brother, was hilarious. <laughs> a lot of his commentary was like stuff that I would say, so I thought that was great. He's like, black people don't be summoning shit. <laughs> He's like, I feel the same way. Thank you, Troy. <laughs> and I thought a lot of their reactions to things were very believable. Um, I'm not sure how much we can go into spoilers, but there was uh, one scene where there was a, a dark hallway within view, and she was just like, nope. <laughs> and I was like, same. <laughs> Hard nope. And I was like, you know what? That's exactly what I would have done in that situation. So I really loved that. Um, it was a good sense of anguish throughout. Every time I saw the cops, I kind of felt this anxiety. And I, I feel like that's something that every Black person can relate to. And I feel like that translated to the screen really well. Um, I really do like the social commentary. However, I did have a little bit of a qualm with it not really meshing very well with the, the pacing of the story. I feel like it almost felt like point form, like we were gentrified, you know, this happened, this, this and that, rather than it being more of an unfolding type of element within the story. So I thought that could have felt a little bit more natural with what they were doing. Um, other than that, really, I, I wanted to see more kills. I know that sounds really bad, but I'm also a, a horror fan. So I was kind of looking forward to how creatively Candyman is going to take out certain victims. So mm. I thought that was really interesting how just with how certain things were shot, like how you saw some of the some of the kills like within a little compact mirror on the floor. I think that was mm -hmm. in the trailer too. So <laughs> don't want to spoil too much. I'm kind of like mm. treading around it, but I thought it was just there's so many opportunities to have kind of like really creative kills with this specific, I guess antagonist. I don't know if you'd necessarily call him that, but I I feel like a lot of it could have kind of played with what Candyman's abilities were a little more. So I would have liked to see more of that. Um, otherwise, some of the writing I had a little bit of an issue with. It felt a little convoluted at some points, um, especially with the story of a certain character who was a little bit of a red herring, and I won't spoil it, but I just felt like it kind of didn't weave very well into what the story was trying to tell. Um, other than that, I guess my only other issue would be I didn't really feel emotionally connected 
some of the characters. Um, other than Troy, like I would have had some feelings about if there was something to happen to him. But the other characters, I was just, just kind of like, I don't feel like I knew them. They kind of felt like they were at arm's re- or at arm's length, pardon me. So mm. I don't know. Overall, I did enjoy it, but I, I did have a few issues, and I feel like it's, it could have been better, but I'm just so happy to see a predominantly you know, black cast, black director, that sort of thing on a wide scale, because we see that so little. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's where I'm at with it. Mm. Very good. You brought up something that's ri- that I'm so glad you brought up, because a lot, I think the confusion actually the actual social commentary which i think has less to do with gentrification and more to do with kind of like the argument of just how much of ourselves as black artists are we willing to exploit you know what i mean Mm -hmm. for Mm -hmm. to to be able to sustain ourselves to be able to tell a story like at what cost is visibility for black folks when it comes to our pain when it comes to our trauma because I feel like that emotional disconnect was intentional, right? Because we have an unreliable narrator in this story. He is not reliable at all. He's literally descending into madness. But I feel like that kind of descension into madness was more mirror of what it's like to be an artist in today's time and how in the beginning they're just like, mm, yeah, your black pain is just not giving you know, to the white gaze, the way, you know, it used to, this kind of idea, even with the critic, right? Where she can sit up here and break his his shit down. But at the end of the day, like, you're part of the problem. You created the problem. Mm-hmm. The reason why I have to make my art painful enough to exploit for you to be able to connect with it because you're already disconnected, right? Like, how far are we willing to go? And how far was he willing to go? Because his character had a major character flaw, which is why he was even susceptible to the transformation into what he became. So it was just interesting how like, folks are talking about, yeah, gentrification, gentrification, gentrification. But if you look at both the predominantly male uh, leads in that film, it was really talking about, really, honestly, I felt like it was really touch upon like black masculinity and how that's commodified Mm. and exploited and how much of black pain is commodified and exploited, and for what at what cost of visibility. Because in the end, he says, you know, we get the big reveal of my favorite character. He tells Brianna something very specific. And with it's just like, yeah, we can talk about it, but is that really going to change this cycle, this loop of generational trauma that black folks are consistently caught in? Which is why this character is trying to keep this alive. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. interesting. I'm glad you brought that up because I didn't feel the emotional connection at all either. Yeah. Um, yeah. For um, me, it was very yeah. like an outsider, but I felt like that was intentional. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah uh, Jenna, basically, I mean, you you said what I was kind of thinking uh, after I was seeing the film. Um, you know, after seeing it, and um, who else kind of rounds out this uh, cast? Also, we have kind of Coleman Domingo. Um, who's in there as well, who uh, does also a great job. Uh, even though he's kind of in a kind of stereotypical horror movie role where he's the guy that you go to, usually the old guy that you go to who knows all the information about the old legend. Um, but I, I love him. Magical, uh, mystical, girl. Yeah, a little bit. You know, <laughs> all the, you know, kind of magical, mystical old man and, and kind of these horror situations that you go to. 
And, um, you know, he's great. He's having a great year. Uh, I just saw him in Zola. Um, he was in Ma Rainey's. Watch that today. <laughs> oh, that's a, yeah, that's a great movie. Um, you know, um, uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. He did a fantastic job in as well. You know, so his career is really kind of going up. It's really blowing up as well. And, you know, it's I mean, he's perfect for this type of horror setting because, you know, he's got that voice. You know, he talks like this, the candy man. You know, he's got, you know, that perfect. He's got that really gravelly voice. Yeah. Candy man. Yeah, you know what I mean? So that's, Shit, how many times was that? <laughs> uh, I think that's I think that's three for you, I think. I think it's three for you. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know. Um, so, you know, he's, I think he does a, a really great job in the movie. And, you know, like Jenna was talking about, about, you know, kind of black artists and, you know, criticisms about, you know, black artists when it comes to talking about, you know, their experiences or, you know, things going on in the black mm -hmm. community can be seen as very exploitative because, you know, that criticism kind of gets lobbed at people like Lena Waithe for things like Queen and Slim. You know, people criticize, you know, mm -hmm. kind of her, you know, for movies like that because it's like, well, you're just kind of doing the black trauma porn and, you know, are you just kind of doing this because you think that that's what you know, people want to see, are you, you know, doing movies about black people, but for white people, because you think that this, you know, gives you kind of that, you know, hardcore, you know, kind of artist cred to, to tell this brutal story. And, you know, you know, the, the white art critic in the movie, you know, she was kind of, you know, talking shit to, uh, you know, Yahya Abdul-Mateen in the movie, Anthony in the movie, and uh, a little bit about how, you know, hey, aren't you kind of doing the same thing as if a white artist did it? Like, you know, it kind of be looked at as bad. I mean, you're this artist living in the hood and then you're doing this whole story about this, you know, horrible case of police brutality of black men being murdered. And you're doing it really to kind of jumpstart your art career, you know, to have a new spark, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. and, and things like that. And, you know, that's the reason you're really talking about this and using this kind of story. And, uh, you know, like to Jenna's point, I think that was very interesting about that kind of whole thing about, you know, black artists, you know, kind of, you know, where does the line get drawn between being exploitative and then talking about the real issues going on in, in your community and how you deal with those things. So I thought that was, you know, also, you know, very, very interesting. Um, and then, and, and that was something that, and that was something the original movie uh, touched on, but I don't think it went as uh, as in depth with it. With uh, Virginia Madsen's character, her entire purpose for talking about Candyman was to write a thesis that was going to elevate her academic career. It wasn't really to do anything but it, but that. It was entirely self serving. Yeah, you know what I mean. You know, she was all about getting that story, writing this thesis. You know, going in there, trying to do the hard work. You know, for really for her own gain. I mean, it wasn't really to tell this story about, you know, what's going on there. It was just like, I need a cool story to tell so I can write this thesis about about urban legends. And, you know, him kind of going through that whole process and, and you know, him kind of, you know, slowly kind of losing his mind throughout it. I thought, you know, he did a wonderful job in the movie. Uh, Yahya Abdul-Mateen, he's also another guy that's blowing up. I mean, you see him everywhere now. You know, Aquaman from there uh he was also in the netflix series get down like that's what like his first thing big thing where he exploded oh, yeah. yeah so he's just you know his he's career dr manhattan yeah dr oh, manhattan yeah uh, dr manhattan yeah yeah uh his I career yeah his career is also another guy that's also his career is blowing up tiana paris her career is blowing up she was just in wandavision um she did a great job in that uh she was in spike lee's film chirac so her career is also going up so you got a lot of prominent kind of black actors in this that are careers are just on the rise right now and really really hot right now 
And so, you know, and when it comes to Nia DaCosta's direction in the movie, Reese made a good point, you know, talking about the kills in it and the creativeness of it. Like, there's one good kill where the camera pans out. Like, you see just, like, the little apartment. You know how, like, you see from far away the lights in the apartment and then it pans out and you see the death there. I thought that was really cool. And then Reese brought up the, the death that happened in the bathroom uh, from a compact mirror. I thought that was really nice. And, you know, it, it it's there's a lot of blood in it for sure. I mean, even some of the blood kind of even looks like honey a little bit the way it kind of spills all the way out like that which i thought looked really nice um you know and some good you know kind of brutal kind of death scenes in this uh but you know nothing as maybe brutal as you would see in maybe another kind of horror movie but it's still a good job at doing effective at you know the good slasher kind of kills interesting uh. you say that as we talk about literally kids being murdered on camera even if it's not being shown explicitly i always find it interesting that Whenever literal children being murdered, we're like, "Oh, it's not enough." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait, what? Well, I mean, she, she told the line. How far we have strayed? I mean, I, I mean, uh, <laughs> I, I just watched the Fear movie. Street movies a couple weeks ago, and they fuck kids up in that. Yeah, they do. They, oh they, yeah, they do. Yeah. They that, fuck that's them. Usually up. taboo. That's yeah. actually in like cinema. Typically, you don't mm. really like see <clears> that, but. And I, between this and American Horror Story, I'm like, I guess they said, fuck the kids. Like, yeah. I mean, you know, it's, they're teenagers, so it's like, it's okay. You know, you can kill you can kill a few <clears throat> teenagers, you know what I mean? I mean, they're teenagers, so they're already kind of shitty people. Uh, yeah, you know, so it's, it's okay, you know, it's a, it's a little all right. Um, and another theme, I thought... Hey, they fucked around and found out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. They sure I, I did. Say that in American, dumb bitch. Why would you say that? Yeah. I heard it. And it's funny because that Walk scene around. when <laughs> when the teenagers when they say uh, his name in the mirror it played out just like how it is in the trailer because you know Tiana Paris she's in the trailer and she's talking like well who would say his name in the mirror who would do something like that and it immediately cuts to exactly you know what I mean <laughs> the people who you were thinking so I was like I thought that was kind of really good um, but another kind of theme in this movie because they explore Real fast, though shout out to the Asian girl that left oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. She was she was the only person of color there, and she was the first one to leave. After they got to like three, she was like, "Yeah, I'm okay." Yeah. After she got to like three, they were like, "Yeah, I'm done." Um, but another yeah, we're superstitious enough. Wait, I ain't fucking around with no other. Right. Uh-huh. Um. So another theme that I thought was really great in the movie is, um, and maybe we'll talk about it a little bit later in spoilers, but just the idea of, like Jenna mentioned, of racial trauma and like it's a circle of violence about how they talk about how there are these kind of different candy mans and there's always a candy man and how that, you know, kind of can, can be led an example of that kind of like there's always something like that from, you know, people like Emmett Till, from people like Trayvon Martin, like that cycle of violence will just kind of, it just continues over and over. Again, and there's always a Candyman-like story that you'll have, you know, for generations and generations, and and that's and that cycle of violence. So I thought that was kind of really great. If you know, that's kind of what she was kind of going for in the movie, a little bit more. Um, candy, because Candyman is eternal, right? And it's right. it's really actually kind of fucked up when I sat down and thought about it because, again, this is white supremacy's creation, right? This we didn't black people didn't create the Candyman. All this is of injustice but it's it's literally a at the end of the day the candy man is the classic 
you know, doctor created a monster and the monster is now unleashed. You know what I mean? Like, y'all created this. Y'all created racism. Y'all created this violence. And now it is eternal. And now it's coming for that ass. And it's going to kill all the innocents and whatever blood that needs to be shed because the power of Candyman, similar to Freddy Krueger, is in the belief in making sure that the oral history is passed down. So I like that you because it is like can we choose a different narrative to pass down, right? Like, can this not, can we really choose what what becomes our kind of like oral history or will it always be these type of things that are so traumatic that they become an entity amongst itself? It, it does very much give me like black Freddy Krueger vibes always. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Um, do you have? Uh, do you guys have anything more to say about it before we kind of get into more about spoilers and the ending and everything like that? Uh, I I definitely think it's an allegory to generational trauma, but on the same point, I feel like I want to see more stories of black people just being black people. Yeah. Not being vehicles for social commentary and that's not to say that it's not important and needed but it just seems like every time we see ourselves on screen it's always some cautionary tale or you know we're witnessing our trauma yet again i just want to see black people doing normal shit you know (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah that's it (laughs) yeah uh do you have a rating for it final I'm teetering between a seven and a seven and a half out of ten. Mm. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, Jen? Um, I'm definitely going to do too much and give this a ten out of ten. Ten out Just of ten. Just because, again, it's a black woman doing horror. It's She's my dream girl. <laughs> Like, I love horror. I want to do my first horror film. It won't be generational trauma. It'll just be a straight-up slasher. However, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, classic, just nice across the throat. But uh, this film, the things that are, the issues anyone would have with it is, I've seen in way, 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 way less quality made horror films. Like, y'all can accept mosquito as a horror film okay talking or ticks or all these little shitty ass b movies that people love so much uh right (laughs) like listen man nah this movie is well made i feel like they they did play it safe uh which is i think we're, we're we're not getting that emotional depth to it but I do appreciate this film. I can watch it over and over again. It's just a beautiful film to watch. And it, it still makes me not want to say that person's name. I'm not going to say the name. So <laughs> 10 out of 10 two. for me. Like, I'm not saying it. Right. Um, <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, I came out of this movie uh, really positive on it. Um, felt very strongly about it. Uh, you know, I like the themes it explored. Uh, you know, more about, you know, kind of the racial trauma that happens. The cycle of that. Uh, you know, more about kind of, you know, black people's role and, you know, their own trauma and, you know, can that be, ex- you know, exploitative, um, you know, and, and, and the com- you know, that theme about, you know, kind of artists and things like that. And, you know, Nia DaCosta, you know, um, with this film, as Reese mentioned, 
you know, sometimes you just want to see black people be black people. Um, and I think, you know what I mean, in films, and it doesn't always have to be, like you said, a social commentary vehicle. It just needs to be more of a balance. Um, and I think, you know, this isn't something like Antebellum, which I thought was, was really bad. I thought that was, I thought that was the worst of kind of them trying to really, you know, do the whole black, you know, kind of social commentary. And then that, that was just straight up, I thought, exploitative and then had no real good themes or, uh, uh, thoughts behind it other than we kind of want to get this get out bag and but we don't really know how to really do get out but we're going to try um and you know and i haven't seen the film it hasn't come out yet but that's looked like what something like karen is about you know which is that bet film it's like we don't we try and do the whole get out thing and but we don't really you know know what we're doing but we're going to try you know, the hot oh, one Jenna, do, do you not know what the, what bet <laughs> originals uh karen i don't BET, bro. I don't fuck with BET. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't watched BET in years, but the trailer's been going around for a while, and I was just like, I had secondhand embarrassment. Like, this is a real thing. <laughs> yeah. Like, we should send you the trailer after, is, and just, just you're gonna Perry laugh. Production. Oh, it's worse. It's okay. worse than Tyler Perry. Who, who was the director on that one again? I can't remember. Oh, I can't remember. Uh, maybe Nick. Nick, can you look it up uh, real quick? I. <laughs> Somebody who did something like really, really ghetto ass movies. I can't remember what his name is, but yeah. I was just like, "Wow, uh, this some, is gonna go it was, great." It's uh, some guy named Coke Daniels. Coke Daniels. That's it. Coke Daniels. Okay. All right. Yeah. So you Coke know Daniels. Um. So yeah. I mean, you know, you kind of have kind of bad movies like that, and you would think more with you know movies like the Black Panther coming out, and Black Panther did have social commentary in it too, but mm. it it also was an action film. And it did have also these cool sci-fi elements in it and had a little bit of a, like a James Bond element to it, like the scene in the casino. It's like, okay, well, hey, it's black people in this new different type of setting that's really cool. It's not in the hood. It's not anywhere else. But it's, you know, in like this action stuff that's going on. And, you know, you'd think that would lead to kind of more films, you know, a little bit more like that, especially also with things like Fast and Furious being a multi-billion dollar franchise and how that's working and just kind of, and you don't even think about how that cast is all the way multiracial as it is. I mean, it's got every uh, race you can almost think of. Of in the sun in that movie so you know yeah it, it just needs to be more of a balance um kind of going on there uh but i thought you know the horror in this was very good i thought it was shot very well um i thought it was kind of very well done the performances were very great uh seeing kind of yaya tumatini like solely kind of loses his mind throughout it and like how he has this bee sting that progressively gets worse and worse throughout the movie that looked terrible i mean that looked really awful Ooh. Uh, you know what I mean? How he kind of just picks at it and picks at it. That was that was terrible. So it's some good, you know, kind of body horror elements there. Um, yeah, I, I you know I really enjoyed it. I can't say too many negatives about it. I I would say uh, the only real negative I have is maybe the Coleman the Domingo character being as kind of cliche as he is a little bit. You know, kind of where where his point of the story is, and maybe you can kind of <clears throat> see where that character is going. But overall, um, I really enjoy it. I think it's a strong 8 out of 10 for me. Um, yeah. Um, so just to get into more about the kind of ending and spoilers. So uh, is there anything you all wanted to discuss about the ending and everything? <laughs> yeah. I, I high key wanted to discuss why niggas are looking at him like he had COVID with that shit on his hand, right? <laughs> like... It ain't as bad as this other movie I saw, funny enough, called Mosquito State, which is just not a good film, where this guy gets bitten by him, and his face is, like, grotesque, and people just interact with him like they don't see it. But the whole time looking at this man, I'm like, this shit's starting to spread. He went to the <laughs> hospital, and they were just like, oh, yeah, we, uh, we took care of it. Like, 
It's cool. Yeah. <laughs> the sound design, too. That's one thing I forgot to mention. When he's picking at the scabs, I was oh. like, oh! <laughs> and I love body horror, but even I was, like, squirming. Yeah. It reminded me of Cabin Fever, that one. Oh, you start yeah. Her. yeah. I, oh, my God, I remember that in the theater. Mm. And I was sitting there in the theater, and I was like, yo, y'all hear that? And they're like, no. mm. like, y'all listen, you hear that? And it's like, I had to comment on that because as his girlfriend I'd have been like first off you sleeping downstairs the fuck like <laughs> yeah. I love you but I don't love you that much like what? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah Reese is there anything you want to talk about ending wise spoiler wise I was kind of confused about what he said at the very end. I heard one thing and then I watched like a kind of a spoiler commentary after and they said that he said something else. Usually I watch movies with subtitles, but I couldn't do that in the theater. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but <laughs> at the end, I thought he said, kill everyone. And apparently he said, tell everyone. Yeah, he said, tell Which it. changes the dynamic very much depending on which way you hear it. Because if you said, kill everyone, to me, that kind of creates a further narrative where it's like maybe he's indoctrinated uh, Brianna in some way because she kind of looked like she was in a trance at the end of it. Mm-hmm. Like she was somehow going to be a successor of some, some type. But then I hear this other review and they're like, oh, he said, tell everyone. Which I was like, oh, that kind of changes things quite a bit. So I wasn't sure about that. Like it kind of mm. changes the interpretation of the ending. So I don't know. Yeah. That, was, that was also right too with the ending was like damn leave it to black women as always to fucking yep. do the work like I'm like yep. you gonna fuck yourself how about you don't tell everybody <laughs> nigga? you was out here murdering niggas in front of the cop cars with a camera on them on the dashboard right. that was my other thing like he dead ass came out into reality technically and murdered the cops in front of the dash cam they gonna play that footage back. What they gonna see? Well, nobody can. He's no, not gonna show up. Nobody can see him, right? I thought. Him. Yeah, you can't see him. <laughs> <laughs> right. So they just gonna see people getting their throats sliced. Nobody. Yeah. There. Well, well, it is. I mean, it's Chicago PD, so they'll just bury the footage. They'll just hide it. They'll just bury the footage. It's fine. You know, it's Chicago. Ah! You know what I mean? They'll just they'll just forget the footage, uh, delete it. Um. Yeah. I, I mean. Yeah. So I. Yeah. I heard him say, "Tell everyone at the end." Um, and yeah, so I thought it was, yeah, it was a good ending and, and more what goes to show you if you got a black person, in a horror movie, cause she makes sure that person is dead. Like there's, I mean, she just keeps going and going. She makes sure. I like, was counting how many times she went in. I was like, we're at 18 now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she just, oh, I mean, yeah, I mean, there was no left. There was no chance for the killer ever to get back up again. I thought that was very impressive. It's like, yes, somebody finally did that. There's no chance. It's like gonna do it you gotta finish it and she definitely finished it so i thought that was nice um so that was pretty good but yeah yeah, i i thought it was pretty good ending and it kind of leaves open for more you know kind of maybe if you want to do another movie which i think is nice um and kind of do more sequels revolving around that would you all want to see a sequel involving this oh most definitely oh yeah Mm, okay yeah and would you want yeah see how beyond black trauma but it still is rooted in black trauma because like I said he's basically Freddy Krueger at this point mm-hmm. you know yeah. what I mean like you you have become something that is outside of control 
so it'll be interesting to see just like how far how far that vengeance is gonna take you know yeah yeah very very nice yeah so i yeah i really enjoyed it yeah um really had a good time watching it uh i'm thinking about seeing it again uh jenna already saw it twice so i'm thinking about maybe checking it out again because it's a quick movie it's an hour and 30 minutes paced very well goes by mm-hmm. good time yeah uh very very nice um all right uh and you also one, one last thing because you mentioned the brianna character didn't really have much of an arc a little bit but it was kind of interesting seeing her kind of be this art curator art director in this art world talking with these other art type snob people and talking with this other black woman who's this i guess another fellow art uh, curator i guess and then speaking about changing the institution from the inside you know rising up and you know kind of you know doing that with changing that institution i thought that was kind of an interesting dynamic between the, the two of them that was very nice but then she flipped it and said well i kind of wanted to see about your backstory which was a tragic one so it's kind of like that saying not all skin folk are kin folk because she i was side-eyeing her yeah so <laughs> yeah so i yeah so I, a clear commentary on how black people yeah. perpetuate the same racist standards and quotas that white people do we don't need white people to do them we do it for them we do it ourselves yeah, yeah. Um, all right, so uh, moving on from discussing Candyman, uh, Nick, what do you think about you think about checking it out yourself uh, when you get the chance? Sorry, oh, absolutely. <laughs> I'm yeah, second I see a showtime, I'm right there at the theater, yeah, yeah, very much so. Yeah, um, yeah, when it comes uh, on streaming, probably you're probably gonna check it out uh, when it kind of comes there, hopefully. Yeah, if it comes theaters here, if it comes on streaming, whichever happens, yeah, get your review on it, get your thoughts on it. Um, all right, so uh, real quick, gonna move on to some news and then get these ladies out of here. Uh, let them enjoy their night. Um, all right, so we're gonna be discussing the Spider-Man No Way Home trailer. Finally, um, after all this begging people were doing, uh, it, it, them leaking it, they finally just like, here you go, you ungrateful, ungrateful motherfuckers. Here you go. Finally, here you go. Here's the Spider-Man No Way Home trailer. Yep. After, uh, yep. After Mickey put out a hit on whoever fucking leaked it. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Cause I, I'll be honest. I tried to watch the leak, but I couldn't. It was terrible. Um, it was terrible quality. I tried. I was just like, you know what? I'll just wait for. It. Yeah, I know they're gonna drop the it. Eventually. CG wasn't done. Yeah. So I was just like, you know what? I didn't expect them to drop it so fast. Yeah, I kind of expected it since they the, it already got leaked. So they were like, okay, well, since it got leaked anyway, let's just drop it. You know what I mean? So I kind of anticipated that. And also, I mean, also they call this a teaser trailer when it's three minutes. I guess that's the new standard for teaser <laughs> for teaser trailers. Now I'm like, this is supposed to be a teaser trailer. I'm like, this is a whole three minutes. Um, but uh, so, what did you guys think about the trailer, uh, Nick? Let me get your thoughts there. Since we're... Um, I like the trailer. I like that there's they're continue there. The first part of it, the f- focus is on the fallout of. Uh, Spider-Man Far From Home, which that is such a huge bombshell of a revelation that you have to address it. It cannot just be entirely focusing on all this multiverse shit that's going on mm-hmm. that, yeah, somehow I knew Strange was going to be the one to fuck it up. Mm-hmm. It wasn't Strange. It was Peter's old eye cancer habit. He was a straight cancer. Yeah. I can't make a fucking decision Dude. about how I feel. About Wong I told Strange not to fucking do it. Warned him, do not do this. (laughs) And then left. And Wong continuing his street of fucking off right before shit goes down. Smartest person in the room every time. (laughs) Like, nah. 
Fuck this. You're, you're on your own. But I think the fucking nuttiest thing is people saying, Why would Doctor Strange do something so stupid? You guys remember, this is a character whose only reason he became the Sorcerer Supreme is because his dumbass text and drove. Mm. But that was fate. You know, it was destiny. He, was, he had to fulfill destiny. So destiny wanted him to text and drive. You know what I mean? That was that was that was all pre-planned already. He couldn't. He couldn't. He, I mean, you can't fight destiny. Yeah, but the, but the, but the character, his entire like personality is based on the fact that he's an arrogant asshole. And yeah. if you tell him not to do something, he's gonna try and fucking do it. Mm. Yeah. But I, isn't the whole like build out though is like Spider-Man not being able to basically balance between being Peter Parker and Spider-Man, which is why it started to... It basically pulled a Rick and Morty. <laughs> they started dividing <laughs> into multiple streets. Because Morty and <laughs> Summer didn't fucking know. Like, they were not sure at all about anything. <laughs> so, like... Mm. Big <laughs> character arc for all of the Peter Parkers is like this... How do we balance being Spider-Man and being Peter Parker? You know? Yeah. Um, Reese, what do you kind of think about the trailer there? Uh, I kind of spoiled most of it for myself because I was following all the news leading up to it, so I already knew what was going to happen. So when it happened, uh, I was like, "Oh, okay. Well, well, there it is." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but hearing about it happen and seeing it uh, are two very different things for me. Agreed. And I just wasn't I'm not surprised. Gonna I'm not going to lie. I'm not gonna lie. the The hype got to me seeing, uh, hearing the hearing Willem Dafoe's fucking crazy ass laugh, seeing Alfred Molina back. Mm. The, the nostalgia got to me. Mm. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, so it was yeah, no. It, I, don't know. I feel like there's a lot. There's a lot. There's gonna be a lot to this movie, and I think it's only like a tiny, tiny little piece that they're giving us. That's why it's a teaser, and it's three minutes. But watch the movie be like three hours long. <laughs> So I feel like there's a lot of stuff that they're probably not showing, or like Marvel famous famously does, they subvert expectations by having certain things in the trailer, but then when you watch the movie, it's actually like a completely different character, or they're not there at all. Mm. So I feel like with some of the cutting and some of the editing, it's going to be what we think. So hopefully that's the way it goes, um, but I'm hyped for it. Spider-Man's my favorite superhero ever, so... Mm. I'm gonna go see it day one. Yeah, um, yeah, and it seems like they're kind of borrowing from storyline from the comics, uh, like they do a lot uh, because there was a storyline after Civil War where Peter, like, uh, went to Mephisto, I believe it was, to make a deal that you know, because this was after the Civil War where he revealed his identity, and then you know when he went to Mephisto, then they had the deal of like you know to erase everyone's memory that he was Spider-Man when he revealed his identity in the storyline. And then, but the only thing with the with that was, but that he had to make Mary Jane forget and get this whole relationship with that. That was the whole trade off mm -hmm. there, in order for that to happen. So, um, so their barn seems like a little bit from that storyline. Uh, so, and like Nick mentioned, it is great to see Alpha Molina, which we already heard the casting of Alpha Molina being back as Doc Ock, mm -hmm. and then uh, there's also you know uh, William Defoe as Green Goblin. So, I guess the chances are. What you say? You're gonna forget my husband. Uh, Jamie Foxx. Oh. <laughs> uh, your husband. Oh, is it? Who is it? McGuire. 
Oh, Tobey Maguire? Oh, okay. He's I... not in the trailer. It's not confirmed. Oh, I didn't know Tobey Maguire. The toys confirmed it. <laughs> okay, so... He's gonna be... Hey, until you see a motherfucker on the fucking screen or in a trailer, he ain't in the movie. Tobey Maguire's the, the toys. The toys don't lie. So, so it's... Yeah, I mean, I guess everybody's... Pretty much everybody's already kind of assuming that Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, they're, gonna, they're gonna be back, coming back. Mm-hmm to be spider-man in it which would be huge for it um you know do you think you know with kind of these villains kind of coming back plus spider-man the other spider-man's coming back they're doing a spider-verse type situation do you think that's just too much for this type of movie or do you think it's just perfectly fine for it i mean i was always in the camp i i was always in the camp that uh, you can't. You should do like this multiversal breaking kind of story with Spider-Man until at least his arc in the MCU is done. Mm, okay, uh, Reese. You, uh, I'm sorry, you lost with because uh, you were talking at the same time as Nick. Well, what did you say? Oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, I was gonna say oh. I. I think they're they're just gonna be really short cameos. I don't think it's gonna be all that much of the movie. I think it's gonna be like okay, we end up in this dimension for a little bit. We see Toby end up in this dimension. We see Andrew. They might even have a fight scene together, and then I think that'll be it. So I think mm-hmm. they want to try to focus more on the current Peter Parker. It's yeah. great to have that nostalgia, and I think it'd be crazy to see them all on on the same screen. But I, I don't think it'll be like as major as they're kind of making it seem. I think it'll just be like short cameo here, short cameo there, and then back to the main story. Mm, yeah. Um, and because a lot of people were saying like, you know, some, some people call, you know, Spider-Man the kind of the derogatory nickname and just this MCU Iron Man Jr. in a way. But then now people seem like, okay, he's Dr. Strange Jr. Cause he's the fuck out of here. (laughs) Fuck off. Yo, you know what? You new kids to the fucking block need to go sit their asses down somewhere. Cause Spider-Man reigns supreme. The Spider-Man video game. Okay, reign supreme. So you can miss me with that bullshit. Second off, uh, they about to tie this all into Loki because they finna basically mm-hmm. say when she killed old boy, this is the reason why the multiverse is started. So, and then you have Miles Morales who already did the same storyline. So, like, <laughs> we're not really getting a new uh, film here or a new plot. It's literally just basically Miles Morales just inhuman versus a, a what if that I feel like Miles Morales was like the first Marvel's what if and mm. they saw how successful it was. So they're basically setting us up because people can't handle a black or Latino person being Spider-Man. They got to mm-hmm. sit up here and ease niggas into shit <laughs> in a multiverse format because oh. motherfuckers are stupid. So I think this is a perfect time. Marvel knows what they're doing, bro. Marvel knows exactly what they're doing. So they're definitely going to figure out a way to make this multiverse end up being something that is contained, but it offers them the opportunity to to display the different stories in different formats. Mm. Agreed. Yeah. Also, also, I think Doctor Strange is a variant. Mm. Just, just, <laughs> just putting that out there. Me too. Putting that out there. <laughs> Oh, okay. So what do you think the Doctor Strange that we knew from the first movie is, if this is a variant? I think the Doctor Strange from the first 
movie was arrogant but calculated, and I think this one is careless. Mm. Okay. All right. Well, t- well, like, Stephen Strange. He he's always then... been. He's always been. Ar- he's always been arrogant, but now he literally holds a position where he is the Sorcerer Supreme. He is the greatest fucking wizard on on the fucking planet Earth. Of course, that will go to your head a little bit. Mm. Yeah. yeah, but bearing that in mind, if you're Sorcerer Supreme, how is Peter just talking a little bit going to throw you off that much? Mm. That's why I don't think it's I mean, have you, I mean, have you yeah. hung around him? He is kind of fucking annoying, <laughs> especially when you're trying to work. Yeah, I mean, That's true, but he, he's, also, he's also sat there in Infinity War and looked at millions of different variations of the future with literal battles happening in front of him. So for him to be that distracted by Peter Parker just... You know, being Peter Parker, I, it feels off to me. I don't know. I feel like there's there's gonna be know. something. Maybe with there's Strange. some there's something in the trailer that we're cl- there's something that they edited out of the trailer that we're probably missing. <laughs> of yeah. course, it has always. To do with Doctor Strange's capacity and the reason why he said it was dangerous is but because the spell that he used is a type of spell that has less to do with Doctor Strange and everything to do about the subject, similar to like Love Potion Number Nine, that film mm. where it's like Peter, we need to be sure about what you want you can't do this spell since it's based off of peter so dr strange can control it but you're dealing with reality time (laughs) and the fabric of space and time and then you bring a fucking teenager that's where he fucked up i feel like this this dr strange is a little too empathetic yeah, like, why would you tell a 16-year-old boy to figure out his fucking identity? And that's the literal, like, power of where the, the spell comes from. And he walks in on some JK, like, <laughs> bonk, corny police. Like, what? No, like, mm-hmm. you need to you need to know. So I feel like he definitely overestimated Spider-Man's um, maturity there. And because mm-hmm. of Peter Parker's like instability on a deep ass level, the spell just was like, no, sir. Mm. <laughs> Should have told him to go sit his ass down <laughs> and none of this would have happened. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the trailer, it, I think it lived up to expectations. I think people wanted, I mean, people have been asking for it for a while now. Um, I, th- I don't think there's still a possibility it might be delayed. I mean, Venom got delayed again, so it got pushed back all the way to January. So there's a possibility Spider-Man got got put will be pushed back, you know, again. So it's coming out December 17th. So it may it may be, you know, given how bad things are kind of going right now. So yeah, but I thought it was pretty good. Um, Jenna, since she brought up uh, what if, I forgot to mention that. Uh, did, did everybody see the what if episode, the newest one? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> okay. Oh yes. Uh, yeah, episode three. Uh, you saw that, Jenna? Mm-hmm. Uh, let's just uh, talk about that real quick here. Uh, just episode three. Uh, so episode three, what if um, is the murder mystery episode? So it's Nick Fury going around and investigating uh, all these different deaths that have happened. Uh, I've been hearing for a while people who've gotten the release of the early episodes, uh, the episodes early, that this was kind of the best episode so far. What if? Um, so you know, here you do have. Okay, so Reese is a little iffy, so we'll get to we'll get her thoughts here. Um, I'm with Reese on that one. <laughs> um, so here you have Nicholas Fury. Um, these strange murders have been happening uh, with the Avengers. Uh, you know, all the Avengers. You have Iron Man. You got Thor, Hulk. You know, all been dropping off, 
And Nick Fury's kind of investigating the case, seeing who's behind it, seeing who did it. And, you know, a lot of these deaths, you know, of course, have huge ramifications, you know, given, you know, what these kind of heroes did. Um, so since recent, Jen, I'm going to let you kind of, guys, what did you, why were you kind of, kind of iffy on the episode and didn't think it was kind of the best one so far? I think it kind of lacked depth. It's just like, all right, we're going to recruit this Avenger. Oh, shit, he dead. All right, next one. Oh, they're dead too. Oh, next one. Oh, he dead. Okay, well, let me go out and figure out who I should go talk to because it's all about hope. And then it just ends up being this really convoluted explanation about, oh, oh, hope was my little girl and she was, she was mine and she's not just an agent and that's why I don't kill all these Avengers because you didn't take that into consideration or some dumb shit. I kind of <laughs> fell off, but it was just like, it, it just, everything happened like so quickly one after another. And there wasn't like, it didn't feel like a real motive behind it. Like it didn't make sense to me or maybe I missed something, but for me, it was just like, all right, well, we're at the end of this now. Great. I don't know. It just episode two for me was the best so far, but this one, mm. uh, Okay. Uh, I'm iffy. Jenna? I, I think episode three suffered first from what people were complaining about episode one, which yeah. was a story that requires a little bit more extra time, a little bit more extra like pieces to really kind of have that lasting impact. Episode two worked because on the surface you were dealing with characters who were kind of like flighty and, and chatty and witty and, and it was fast paced and it was it was very action sci-fi based. You can get away with not needing to have a, a lot of exposition or a lot of, you know, emotional beats throughout the the story, right? You don't really have to rely on that. You just kinda of rely on the banter and the action of the film. The third and this one I liked just because this is going to sound really fucked up, but I was so happy to see the good guys die. I was like, fucking finally. <laughs> when, the, when the Hulk exploded, I was like, holy shit. And I that was wild. Yeah, right? I kind of had an idea of who was doing it because I was like, the only way the Hulk could have died is it was on some macro molecular level. So I kind of had an idea. Hey, we all we all we all remember the fucking early theories about Avengers Endgame involving mm -hmm. Ant Man that's and where true. he needed to go. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Yep. So I mean, I think this one was a solid entry. I don't think it's the most memorable or the best, but it definitely, I would. I'm actually more excited to see where that would go. And I, again, I wish that this would be a spinoff because it definitely is kind of like the Marvel Avengers film that I actually wish I would have seen because I know who the originals are as close to the originals in the comics. But this one, I was like, I kind of like the people they were getting together. I like those characters and personality traits a little bit more. This was all right. It was cute. It was cute. This was definitely, you know, you waste the the part that you left at your house, the one that you smoked in the morning before you went to work, <laughs> and you came back. And so you're like, I bet I didn't smoke all of it. Hey! So you start smoking, you watch this episode, it's not going to be a waste. <laughs> mm. Okay. Uh, Nick? Me? Um, I, I think this is probably one of my favorite episodes of 
of uh, the series so far. I'd like with What If you get to experiment with different genres. Uh, the first one, it was more or less treading the same water with something like the first adventure. The second one, it's doing that uh, noble uh, Robin Hood story in space. And with this, you're getting this murder mystery, which I did not know where the what the episode was about prior to watching this, and the t turns it took really were shocking to me. And I appreciate how dark it got, especially for uh, an animated show that is ostensibly for like a younger audience. Um, again, the animation it's gorgeous. I've, I think you're able to not delve as deep into the characters because we ostensibly already know who these people are. We've see we've been with these characters for like the last 10, 12 years. We've seen most of them get one, two or three or more movies. Mm. Yeah. So that's a little bit of um writing short that you can do in this like 20, 30 minute series. Yeah. Um yeah. I thought the second one was still the best episode so far for me. I thought that episode, you know, was a lot of fun. Um, as Nick mentioned, they kind of, you know, changed genres a little bit more with this one. You know, went with kind of this murder mystery element, Nick Fury investigating, which I thought was pretty nice. Um, and as far as, you know, Jenna, I mean, I'm not as smart as her, so I really didn't piece together who was doing it. I didn't really didn't think about it. Um, I, I, I did when, when the scene came with Black Widow well, she was kind of getting her ass knocked around the the building. I mean, she was really getting messed up. Um, I thought it was the ghost character from Ant Man. That's who I, originally who I thought it was. So mm -hmm. I, I thought it might be kind of her uh, who was doing it because I know in they said you know the ghost character was an agent of the Shield and she was like this assassin who used to do missions for them. So I assumed it was kind of her and she was maybe working for Hydra. I was kind of maybe assuming that towards the end there. Um, and um, you know, I thought kind of like Reese mentioned, it was kind of repetitive a little bit seeing him meet an Avenger and then die and then, you know, kind of seeing these kind of big moments that we know from the movies, you know, like when Thor tries to go get the hammer that we saw in the first Thor, um, you know, he tries to get it, but instead here he gets shot with an arrow uh, from Hawkeye and kind of these kind of, you know, and we, you know, the, the episode opens up even with Iron Man 2, the scene from that where he's sitting in the donut uh, from that famous kind of spot there and then you know she shoots him with the serum but it turns out uh i guess we could do full spoilers uh for this and this kind of episode and everything like that um and the, the killer was hank pym and as reese mentioned the motivation behind it you know uh, i guess i could kind of go with it a little bit but it's like uh, him just wanting to ruin S.H.I.E.L.D. since in the movies, Hank Pym already hates S.H.I.E.L.D. to a degree anyway in the in just the MCU mm -hmm. timeline anyway just due to him working for S.H.I.E.L.D. and he, he you know, just having some kind of bad blood between him and there anyway. So I guess it wasn't that kind of crazy to think he would just kind of go full like that and just kill off, you know, Nick Fury's pet project. But you would think maybe he would go after Nick Fury first instead of just going after all the other people because Nick Fury's really the one that's putting it all together. So that'd be smarter just to kill him first. But, um, yeah. Yeah, but I think, the, I think the biggest thing is that uh, Hank Pym, he's not wearing, like, the Ant-Man suit where it had, like, the kind of stable Pym particles, the one where you could, like, shrink down and be like all good it was the yellow jacket which mm. if you remember the first ant-man the the formula they were experimenting that was what was really slowly driving uh aaron cross insane 
to the point where he did become that like raging psychopath. Mm. That's a good point. Yeah, I forgot. To, yeah, that's a good point. I forgot to mention that. Yeah, so he was wearing the yellow jacket suit. Um, and you know, this episode because of the death of uh, Thor, Loki comes with the whole Asgardian army. Uh, and this Loki is voiced by uh, Tom Hiddleston in this. And then Hank Pym, he's not voiced by uh, Michael Douglas. Uh, he's, he's not voiced by Michael Douglas. Yes, but, he is. Oh, is yeah, that? Oh, that was Michael Douglas doing it. I think yeah. so. Oh, okay. He sounded <clears throat> a lot better. Okay, he doesn't sound like how he sounds when he was in the movie. He sounds a lot more uh, better there. Okay. Yeah. The only like the only three that didn't come back from the movies were uh, were ScarJo, who uh, uh, Black Widow. She's voiced by Lake Bell here. Uh, Mike Wingert is the voice of Tony Stark, and uh, uh, Stephanie. Panicello, she's the voice of Betty Ross. Oh, okay. Um, the voice of Betty Ross. Uh, I don't think Dave Batista came back either. Yep, yeah, Dave Batista. He didn't come back uh, for yeah uh, when he played Drax in the in the last episode. Oh, I'm just saying for this episode. Yeah, for this episode. Oh, sir. Um, yeah, yeah, Betty, yeah, for this episode. Yeah, Betty Ross sounded a lot like for some reason I thought she sounded like like Judy Greer from who was also in the Ant Man movie. She sounded a lot like her for some reason i thought uh, that's kind of a similar boy i don't know but uh yeah so uh loki comes with his the asgardian army they come to invade earth since thor died then he's like okay well i'll find the killer and then that's when you know he does find the killer nick does turns out saying pym and everything and then loki being loki of course takes over earth he's like well you know since i like it here so much and i'm just gonna take over earth uh but then that's you know what since i'm here yeah you know <laughs> <laughs> um, and then that's when Nick, because you still have two more Avengers left. You still have Captain Marvel and Captain America, who really Captain Marvel could just—I mean, she could just do everything by herself anyway. Like if she showed up in Endgame <laughs> just way early, she could have just, you know, solved the whole movie there already. I was gonna say, yeah. You don't need Captain America's pasty ass. Yeah. That nigga frozen. Well, he's got a good ass. I love him. <laughs> he's got a, he's got a nice ass. I mean, you know, it's a pretty good. Hey, ass. don't disrespect America's <laughs> ass like that. My yeah. <laughs> yeah um you know so you know yeah so it's good you know um so yeah um yeah so i thought yeah it was a solid episode i still think it's you know it's still a pretty good episode i still think it's better than the first one um i don't think it's the best one so far mm-hmm. but i still like the second one the better best one yeah um, you know, yeah so, yeah the first one bro the first one was not that bad y'all doing too much it's, it wasn't bad. It just it was wasn't okay. as good as the next two. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I, I love Haley Atwell. Hey, right I love now her. it's two, three, one. Peggy, though. Peggy looked good. Them thighs? Shoot. Yeah. Peggy, her thick ass, she can bring that ass right up over here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, crap. I ain't gonna age like that old, like that nigga. You feel me? Like. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. <laughs> It's like every lesbian's dream is pet. Yeah, <laughs> I was did, I was hearing were, a lot. Did of you not like? Were you not on the internet during uh, like Evil Eight? <laughs> the internet is one hundred percent about that life. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right. So uh, real quick, uh, just the final story. So uh, we did a story just a week ago. Uh, got posted on YouTube like a couple days ago, and then by the time we posted that story about OnlyFans banning the porn, then they switched back, and they were like, oops, okay, well, we made a mistake, so we're back again. Um, so yeah, so yeah, people already know, uh, people are already kind of counting the days until OnlyFans was, was destroyed, but now they say like, oh, well, we're back again. Um, 
doing it. So they said, uh, you know, in a tweet, so thank you for everyone for making your voices heard. We secured assurances necessary to support our diverse creative community um, and have suspended the plan. October 1st policy change. OnlyFans stands for inclusion. And we will continue to provide a home for all creators. So they're going to, you know, renege on their decision to ban all the sexually explicit content that was going to happen October 1st and kind of go back to the way things were. I guess money was was talking different when they announced that. So they were like, OK, well, we're going to get. Yeah. So real quick. Hey, they, they saw they saw that they saw the name of one of the potential buyers for it tanked and it was Spirit Halloween. Yeah. So. <laughs> Um, so just real quick, different song from SZA. Yeah, I saw that. Um, so real quick, just go around and get get everybody's thoughts um, about the story and everything. Reese, what do you kind of think about it? Well, notice how they said suspend. They're not gonna stick to this permanently. It's like give it a few months and they'll be turning their back on sex workers yet again. They're just trying to figure out a, a better workaround. And that's all there is to it. Like, apparently it was because of a disagreement with the the banks or something to that effect. And it's just like, okay, so that's not going to change within a few months. There's still that stigma when it comes to, you know, sex workers getting their money. So I, I think they're just doing this as a PR move right now because they're catching all kind of backlash. But watching a few months it'll be the same shit and they'll go all the way through with it because they'll figure out a some loophole or some something legally that can allow mm. them to to do this which again is going to be shooting them in the foot either way but that's on them yeah um so this is a you know quote from kind of article about the whole kind of shutdown uh and everything like that um and the whole kind of uh kind of quote is so to your point about kind of the banking and kind of the situation with that so they said uh according to initial reports only fans have been struggling to find investors because of how popular sex and nudity are on its platform these changes are to comply with the request of our banking partners and payout providers the company said last week the bureaucratic language made it clear the company prioritized growing fiscally and did not consider the damage the move would have on to its creators monetarily and emotionally. It did not care or consider that many of its top earning sex workers would probably flee the platform and jeopardizing the company's reputation and uh, ironically its financial future. OnlyFans also didn't apologize for putting its creators through this stress. Um, so yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, the, it, obviously, you know, if they're not going to do that, then the people who make the platform what it is, they're going to up and leave and then also People are going to make another huge competitor platform competing with OnlyFans and everything like that. Uh, Jenna, what, what are you going to, what do you uh, have on it? It different, it different, <laughs> it different. Okay, I'm going to say that. <laughs> it different when you know, bruh. Listen, only all that's bullshit. Streammate, Pornhub, RedTube, Rude.com, just to name a few. These are platforms that have been running for over 10 years. And guess what? They cash that money out too. They don't have problems finding investors. Sex will never, ever be an industry where there's not more than a billion dollars to be made. So basically OnlyFans problem was they was trying to sit up here and market themselves outside of what made them money. And they fucked up. 
did it too early. They didn't have a transition. They didn't have a plan. In fact, if OnlyFans was smart, they would have well, oh, Miley would, Cyrus to be. Oh, like, would you say they pulled out too early? Ooh, <laughs> oh, <yes. laughs> Look at this man. <laughs> I'm this man. Okay, that's comedy gold. This guy. Yeah. No, I would have hired. Bro, I dead ass would have hired Miley Cyrus. Just to make fun of the fact that how she went from like good girl to dirty girl back to good girl, and they could have like you could, there's so many creative ways they could have like rebranded themselves so they could be known for something other than sex because OnlyFans was not a platform initially for sex workers. It just wasn't, so it wouldn't even have been hella much for them to start a marketing campaign to reshift back to their roots. But they're fucking stupid, and people hate sex workers, even though they all jerk off to porn. So all I'm here for is OnlyFans, folks who are true sex workers who who cam online. We know the other sites. You need to have a diverse portfolio, and you always need to have that link tree with all your other stuff on there, bruh, because it's just not stable anymore in this like industry especially when you're doing online like you need multiple streams yeah. platforms and income to be able to feel secure because only fans like reset is going to be on some fuck shit they're going to end up figuring out some legal loophole where they're going to satisfy some white conservatives agenda so they can get that check while still trying to get the other check which is the content creators. So, yeah. So, so do you think that that a lot of creators on OnlyFans who mainly just did that with this announcement that they had that kind of spooked them a little bit? Do you think now that a lot of them are going like, well, I need to find other avenues, other websites, go to other places, build a kind of an audience there as well as OnlyFans? Oh, they're already trying to take that mantle because once Tumblr stopped doing porn which was dumb as fuck. Mm-hmm. They became obsolete because who the fuck is still using Tumblr? <laughs> I won't wait. So it's like Twitter was like, hey, what what he won't do, girl, I'll do better. Come up over here. So Twitter is already setting up a, a pay platform on there and they was already doing porn when Tumblr left. So honestly, I mean, Pornhub sucks just because they don't pay enough and that's from personal experience I took my videos down because they just weren't paying me enough so mm. I think this is like for for the new kids on the block who just now got into sex work yes they're gonna sit up here and go to other sites for the rest of us OGs who've been doing this <laughs> it ain't nothing new and you <laughs> not like to be condescending but you were dumb as fuck if you was only relying on OnlyFans and that was it to be your only platform because any real seasoned sex worker who cams online, we have like four different sites that we just all circulate and use that traffic for. So. Mm. Okay. Uh, Nick? Fucked around and found out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, pre- yeah, pretty much that's, this is what it is. Um, uh, but when this story kind of broke, I didn't know that they had a lot of uh, a child porn on there that that was found. They had like 13, 12 accounts on there of, of child porn on there that they were doing it. I didn't know that was kind of on the platform for when. So when that news oh, broke that they oh, were, fuck. yeah. So that that I didn't know about. Yeah, so that was on OnlyFans. So I had no idea that they had those accounts. Like the fact that they were able to operate 
um, and those weren't shut down and, and tracked down immediately is concerning, uh, very concerning that that wasn't Ooh. available at all. Um, so, I mean, first of all, you need to work on your modernizing, you know, monitoring your website. Well, number one, if you have that going on, uh, you know, number one. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, like you said, Jenna said, so they made because they were doing the whole, they were gonna do the whole OnlyFans TV, which was the streaming service. So they might wait till they build up a base with the streaming service, get content there, get somebody attracted there, and then ditch the sex workers again. You know, and when, you know, they kind of build up their other base when that happens. But, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, like now that this happened, a lot of other sex workers might, you know, find other avenues where they can make money, other websites, other places. And ha maybe there can be another competitor to OnlyFans as well. But there was some sex workers saying that when the whole ban was happening, uh, the, you know, the plan for the ban to happen, that subscriptions numbers jumped up for a lot of them. Like they went increased. I guess a lot of people were trying to buy the content and then get it. And then before, you know, they went away, I guess, was kind of the idea. But, yeah, a lot of people's subscriptions went up from that. So, you know, I don't know if it will be sustained. But, uh, I mean, it's good for them. But, uh, yeah. So, well, I mean, we'll see. Um, watch. When we put this video out again, they'll reverse it back. They'll, they'll change it back. It's like, we're doing ban it again. They'll change, we'll change yeah. it fucking back when we put this fucking probably. video. Uh, Let's oh, do probably. the time again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, but uh, reverse, reverse. Uh, thank you, thank you, Jenna. Thank you, Reese, uh, for coming on. Thank you so much. Uh, it was, yeah, really great having you on because we're absolutely gorgeous. Absolutely, gorgeous. <laughs> I know. I always know a girl is straight if I have a crush on her as soon as I see her because they're always so goddamn pretty. <laughs> Yeah, it's so sweet. Yeah. Uh, but you guys were fantastic, uh, Reese. One more time, uh, say what you got going on. Say your stuff. Pimp your links. All that good stuff. Yeah, Reese Luna on Instagram, and again, I'm on the DT community. So come hang out, and we'll be good there. Yep, Reese Luna got a page up here. See a wonderful art. Commissions close. May open January. May. May, May, January, open. yeah. May, Reese, uh, <laughs> is it Reese Luna? Luna, A L U N A. Um, Jenna. <laughs> um, you can follow me at Damn Gina, D A M N J E N A. Uh, the only thing I have new up there, I'm actually gonna be submitting some of my photography to the Contemporary of Dayton out here in Ohio, which is a, a museum or. I guess, yeah. So I'm basically that guy in that movie of the name that I'm not going to say. Um, <laughs> but I'm submitting my art there, so keep my fingers crossed. And the last uh, music video I shot, which I'm actually performing tomorrow night out here in Cleveland with a whole bunch of dope black women in cannabis industry. Um, so it's it's been a lot of projects, but I'm excited. So yeah, if you check out my page, I'll keep you posted on everything. So yeah. Yep, got a page up right here, taking some wonderful photos here of it. Um, yeah, very, very great stuff here. Very, very nice. Uh, yeah, beautiful photos, too. Nice. I see this nice self kind of photo here. Begging for death in pink. Very beautiful photo. Very nice. My life. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm for photography, so I might as well utilize those skills that I'm learning. Yeah, so very, very nice. Very good. Um, all right. I'll let you ladies enjoy your night. Thank you for coming on. Thank you. All right. Have, have a good one. Have a good one. Take care.
Till next time. Till next time. Bye-bye. next time. Uh, all right. All right. It's great to have them on. Uh, when they were on the awkward medic, uh, he followed, um, or he or she followed, that person followed. Um, so great. That's great. Uh, shout out to that awkward medic. Uh, thank you for the follow. Um, so Nick, uh, you watched a film called Vacation Friends uh, that is on Hulu. You want to give us the rundown on that? Yes, I did. So Vacation Friends is a comedy starring uh, Lorel Howery. We all know as um, I can't as a I can't remember the character's name, but he was the best friend character. Get out. And yeah. he's slowly like been uh, a side character in other other comedic films. And this is the first time, to my knowledge, that he has been the lead. Um, he has been given his own film. He was also the lead in a movie called Uncle Drew, which was a basketball movie. He was in that. Oh, okay. Okay, um, my bad there. And I guess he was also kind of the lead in... So, yeah, there it is. So, um... So, uh, Lil Rel Howery is playing a character named Marcus. He's taking his girlfriend, Emily, down to, on vacation in Mexico to propose. And because of uh, circumstances, they run into uh, another couple played by uh, John Cena. Da, 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 da. And uh, Meredith Hagner, who, are, who John Cena, who is having a fucking fantastic year with uh, this, the Suicide Squad and uh, F9. And Meredith Hagner, who is incredible on that HBO show, Search Party. Oh, I heard about um, that show. They, that's, yeah, that's a, I heard that's a great show. That's yeah, a show with the, the, show woman from, wonderful. the woman from uh, Arrested Development, right? Uh, maybe. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, yeah, Arrested Development or uh, Broad City. I, nope, it, you're right, Arrested Development. Yeah, I know she kind of looks a little bit like Alana so, Glazer. Yeah, she looks a little bit like her. <laughs> Holy shit, she actually does. And so the movie is directed by Clay Tar, writer and producer on Silicon Valley, as oh, okay. well as uh, co-writing this are uh, are uh, Jonathan Goldstein and John Francis Daly, who's written stuff like uh, like a Spider-Man: Homecoming, who've written and directed Game Night. Uh, two very good uh, comedic writers that have been around, been around for a long time. And what separates this movie? I know you're playing the trailer on the stream right now, and it looks like a very generic comedy mm. that um, that Cena and uh, Meredith Hagner are so insane that it makes no sense why anybody would be them. But they cap. But they captured this balance of being chaotic good, of being so wholesome and just being so chaotic that they become endearing. And everything they do is with is with loving intent. They're just some so nice, but they are legitimately insane. But they're so much fun to watch. Mm. And they do a great job of kind of... Because uh, Lil Rel, he initially starts the movie as kind of this uh, buttoned-up, straight man but the longer it goes on the more he loosens up mm. okay and and is this movie gonna win any oscars no the filmmaking it is but what separates it it's funny there's a lot of the jokes in this they feel uh well written well thought out and it's john cena this is probably him one of his better comedic performances because we've seen how good he can be 
in something like uh in something like the suicide squad where he's allowed to lean into absurdity and here he's leaning into absurd and wholesome mm, okay um yeah hmm. the movie the movie it's just a great time okay um is there anything you could compare it to because a little bit kind of from the look of it the way John Cena's kind of acting, you know, because you kind of have like crazy couples before paired up with other kind of straight couples that you've kind of had that uh, kind of before. There's a movie with Vince Vaughn, I remember. I think it was called Couples Retreat or Couples Resort or something like that, uh, where he was kind of, there was like a. Group. Oh, oh, this is this is a much better movie than that. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, so yeah. do they give any reason for why John Cena and his wife were as crazy as they are or why they act the way they act or. Well, they they do, but they it's more uh, implied because uh, as you go through the movie, you learn that John Cena used to be gray. So, oh, okay. yeah, those people are legitimately just crazy. They don't, uh, yeah, they don't, uh, they're, their insanity, it's never malicious, which is something that I can't say about characters like, I don't know, name a Zach Galifianakis character in the Todd Phillips movie. Hmm. Okay. So, like, his character from... What was that movie was that, uh, with uh, Robert Downey Jr., Due Date? So like, oh, uh, Due Date, where he's just such an asshole that nobody would not beat the shit out of him if they yeah. interacted with him for more than five minutes. Yeah. So, so, with a movie like this, with dealing with crazy people and being around crazy people, is it does it kind of... Is it not as relatable? Because it's like, well, I, I would never be in an experience like this. I'd never be around these people. Or is it like, I could see being wrapped up in an adventure with these people and going with the flow just just due to how crazy things get? Yeah, on, on first impression, it's exactly. You know, it's like, why would I hang out with these people? But they, but they wear you down, really. It, it, you can see yourself being wrapped up with uh are the couple like this and it is they're on vacation so they're gonna like go and have fun and that's kind of the conceit of the movie where it gets awkward is when uh cena and hagner they because uh lil rel and uh uh yvonne orgy i think is uh how you pronounce her name uh they're getting married like several months later and john cena and meredith hagner crash their wedding mm. says, hey why didn't <laughs> you ever call us oh wow okay um and they say like yeah we drove around every single wedding in the state of atlanta at georgia oh wow uh, they, they, damn they must have been driving forever because atlanta has a lot of black people they must have been driving <laughs> forever um looking for them <laughs> um yeah and so with lil rel howry the fact that he's playing a straight man in this um which i guess he's played usually typically a straight man like he's a good comedic guy to bounce off of very well and then john cena has been proven to be very effective at comedy see him in the movies like blockers uh, when he was in Trainwreck, uh, even to you know the Suicide Squad to a degree where he was very comedic in that, it does seem like he does have a very good knack for it, um, you know, uh, comedy and everything mm. like that. Um, and then Lil Rel Howery, you know, like you like you say, usually plays a good bouncing off guy because we just seen him in Free Guy, being another white guy's best friend mm. in that, you know, with, with Ryan Reynolds doing very well. <laughs> um, so it seems like so. What was uh, so? What's the rating for this? Three. Uh, for me, this is just a really solid comedy. I went into it cold, and I ended up laughing uh, more often than I didn't. So for me, this is a strong 7 out of 10. 
So uh, if you have Hulu, absolutely check it out. Okay. Yes. I think that's pretty good. 7 out of 10. Watch it on Hulu. Yeah. Um, I feel like this would make a good back-to-back with this movie and then the movie with Adam, uh, Adam uh, uh, Andy Samberg. Uh, the movie was the Groundhog. Movie. Oh, with uh, Palm Springs. Palm Springs. I feel like this would make oh, a Palm good, Springs. Good back to back. Um, I think it could, but I think Palm Springs it gets a little too dark. Uh, to pair with something like this, I think more like Game Night would. Uh, oh yeah. Would, uh, yeah. would uh, be a better uh, double feature with this because I feel like those two have very similar senses of humor. Mm, yeah, game night. Yeah, game night would be. Yeah, I, I did like game night a lot. Yeah, that had a lot of fun with that movie. That was really funny. Uh, game night itself. Yeah, um, and uh, either that or tag. I think would be a good double feature with this. Mm, tag. Yeah, tag was also pretty decent. Yeah, um, you found out what was Hawkeye during end game playing tag. That's what he was doing in between uh, <laughs> movies. Like no, that. yeah, and Jeremy Renner broke. Bro- Jeremy Renner broke both his arms on tag. Not <laughs> Avengers, not fucking uh, Civil War. Yeah, I mean tag is serious, man. You ever played? Was the last time you played tag? It's, it's serious out here, man. Serious. <laughs> uh, I had to retire. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that, that's a pretty good review. All right, I'll I'll check it out uh, definitely. Um, all right. So moving on from vacation, friends, going to discuss Superman and Lois season one. So Superman and Lois um, is a spinoff. From the Supergirl show, Superman got introduced in Supergirl on the CW, and then they were like, well, people really like Taylor Hock... Uh, uh, what's... Is, how you pronounce it? Taylor Hocklin? Or... Uh, t- Tyler... Tyler Hecklin, I think is how you pronounce it. Hecklin? Okay. Um, and people were like, well, this seems like he's doing a really great job as Superman, and let's spin him off um, and give him his own show. So... And then Supergirl is ending, too, I think, pretty soon. I think it is ending, because um, Melissa Benoist, she got pregnant, and she wants to... Hey. Uh, she got pregnant, so she eh. wants more time to be a mother and everything like that. So, uh, I know that show is ending. So, here, um, you have a show about, uh, Superman and Lois dealing, kind of living as a family, dealing with their two teenage sons who are fraternal twins and kind of living on the farm in Smallville, mm-hmm. him going back to Smallville, coming from Metropolis. And what I like about kind of this show, because we did review the pilot, it's up on the uh, on the YouTube page. You all can check it out because we reviewed the pilot. Mm-hmm. Um, because I was hearing really, really positive, strong things about the pilot, and I we we checked it out. We reviewed it, and one kind of one thing that really got me was kind of like this family dynamic element. Um, it was kind of a little bit of a diversion from things that we've seen typically on the CW. Because I mean, we do have another show mm-hmm. called Black Lightning which dealt with the family aspect and very much of that. Um, so this was kind of added to kind of that level of another kind of family dealing with kind of, you know, teenage drama. They're working together as a family. Something you don't typically see on the CW stuff. And mostly it's, you know, other 20-something, you know, people attractive, hanging out in the city, being superheroes, working together type thing. But this you have kind of a family and kind of, you know, Superman and Lois being parents um, which I thought was very nice to see, like, you know, the way they are kind of with their parents, stern, but but loving. I think they showed them very well. They didn't just let their kids kind of run all over them. You know, they would lean in at points where they kind of were like, okay, I get it, you're a kid. But, you know, they kind of were, were very stern when they needed to be, uh, which was very nice. Um, so, you know, c- coming back to this uh, kind of series and watching all the episodes, because this is 15 episodes, I do think, you know, it's not as long as some other CW series where you have where it's like 22, 24 episodes of a lot of these CW shows. Yes, no no show in the year 2021 needs, needs more than, uh, I'd say the max is 16 episodes. 
Yeah, um, and this has fifteen. I think, but un- unlike unlike with unlike with a lot of CW shows, there's not an episode where I could say it is just here for filler. Every single episode it contributes to this overarching story. Yeah, or uh, this season, uh, because there's something that happens in this uh, series. It's a character called Tag. Um, like he's a, a guy that is on the football team uh, with uh, Superman's uh, sons and everything, who are who are named Jordan and Jonathan, who are named after his two father figures in his life. His two fathers, uh, Jor El and Jonathan Kent, uh, his two fathers in his life, and. I felt like, you know, with that, I was like, ooh, I'm can, I'm kind of getting like, is this going to be Smallville week of, you know, like week of powers kind of thing where you're going to get a new kid who's got some powers kind of coming in um, who's that Superman or his sons kind of have to, to help or fight or something like that. Uh, because that's typically the thing they do kind of to, to, to pad out some of the episodes in CW shows or just kind of genre shows in general. They'll have like a monster of the week type of element where the characters have to, to take mm-hmm. on in order to divert from the main plot. Uh, but they only do that kind of mainly like once in the episode. But it's kind of setting up the, the groundwork for them to do that later on in seasons, kind of possibly with other characters because this whole thing of... Um, like you know this town and the you know because what happens is like an explosion like this it was also in the pilot where uh clark's son jordan he used his heat vision something exploded and that affected this kid and kind of gave him activated his metagene and things like that um so it's probably something they're setting up possibly to do in other seasons about the whole kind of you know alien monster of the week type element um so i was kind of worried about that for a second but you're right i think a lot of the episodes do contribute much to the plot continuing the plot uh which was very nice um i did kind of like the sons they i don't think they bordered on very annoying much i think you know they were kind of very you know reasonable for being kind of teenagers and what they were kind of going through yeah Uh, they're they're realistic they're realistically portrayed as teenagers they are you know they are kind of naive and kind of dumb but they're also not completely stupid or annoying and i really like the per- the performances from both uh from both actors uh jordan uh elas who plays jonathan kent and uh alex garfin who plays jordan mm, yeah yeah i think yeah they're, they're strong it's fans. especially it's a it's rare especially on the cw where you get you know decent uh teenage actors yeah um and you know even when you think a little bit like with the jordan character uh because you you know you see kind of like he had developmental issues behavioral issues growing up as a kid and he's kind of always felt like this outsider um that can be played very very much very cw-ish very teenage drama-ish like i'm a loser and nobody likes me and you know i got no friends and all this that could be very portrayed very very you can literally you can literally stop the fucking show just to have characters I'm weird. Yeah, you know what I mean? Very, you know, kind of like the Riverdale kind of vibe. Hello, Riverdale. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, I do think it is kind of, you know, reasonable with his character, given his backstory of having the issues that he's had and, and, mm-hmm. and trying to fit in. And he does, you know, get a girlfriend in the show, um, the daughter of uh, his uh, Clark's old high school crush. And now, like, she kind of is married to this firefighter husband of hers. And. Uh, that kind of uh, dynamic also was kind of very interesting too, uh, just with the kind of their relationship and they're priming that for the future of um, kind of eventually him telling 
her his secret Jordan's secret that his father Superman and he's got powers they're priming that for you know other seasons to come um what did you think about the rest of the cast uh, you know just the kind of the whole town of Smallville like people like Clark's um ex uh, high school crush or you know girlfriend and you know things like that and her husband oh um yeah so uh Manuel Sharif she plays a uh, she plays a uh, Lana Lang, who uh, you've seen her in stuff like Wrong Turn. You don't mess with Zohan. I think uh, uh, the biggest thing that she was in was uh, Entourage for a while, mm-hmm. and uh, her husband uh, uh, Eric Valdez, who plays a uh, 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 Kyle Cushing, who's like the who one hundred percent would have voted for Trump <laughs> twice, right. He, he especially in the early episodes he's portrayed as such an asshole but the longer the series goes on the more you hear his side of it and what he was trying to do and you come to sympathize with with uh, Kyle's character uh but honestly I don't really think there's a bad performance in this entire show I think everybody brought their A game and I think a lot of it is where we know the show airs on the CW, but really the show is uh, HBO Max's baby. Mm. CW just happened to get the get the broadcast rights for. Hmm. Okay. Um. Yeah. I. That's I th- why the you know that's why the writing is that's why the writing is leagues above anything that's been on the CW for like the last eight years. It's why the cinematography <laughs> looks the way it is. Yeah. Yeah, um, I mean, obviously the effects, very CW effects, because uh, <laughs> when they when they do kind of a lot of the Superman stuff that he does, does not really look all that good. Um, you know, anything he does. I mean, it, uh, I mean, I mean, did you see? Did you see the Speed Force lightsabers? I I think I saw a clip of that on Twitter. I saw somebody because I love a lot of people on Twitter like to rag on the Flash. It could be so much worse. Um, but I mean, there's, there's kind of some kind of, you know, scenes like that. It's like, Ooh, this is kind of bad, but you know, it's such a good show. I don't really care. I'm like, I'm still kind of wrapped up into mm-hmm. it and, and enjoying it pretty, pretty well. Um, you know, like you mentioned, you know, her yeah, husband. Gr- great writing, can, great writing can overcome bad effects. Yeah. But the same cannot be said for good effects and bad writing. I like Game of Thrones. Um, yeah, yeah, very much so. Um, and like you bring up the element of uh, the husband, the firefighter guy, the guy that you said would have been a, tr- a Trump supporter there. Uh, his name is uh, Kyle, uh, Kyle Cushing there. And I think, you know, kind of yeah, like if you ever lived in a small town, you've all met. a couple. Yeah. You know, and his whole thing is he's with Morgan Edge trying to, you know, help him, you know, gain, gain the trust of Smallville so he can Morgan Edge can build his. Can bring jobs to you know the small town because it's it's lost a lot of them. He's like, I promise I'm gonna give 600 jobs and I'm gonna you know help you all out. And obviously that's very you know obviously touching on issues going on today. You know a lot of small towns, a lot of you know places like that have tons of people lost their jobs, and it gives kind of them you know kind of can fall victim to a lot of these billionaires coming in trying to use that, trying to come in and give jobs with low uh, low kind of low pay. And kind of bad working conditions. So, you know, obviously that is touching on some kind of real issues. So I, I like that they bring that element in there. And then Lois is, you know, obviously being someone who is the great investigative reporter that she is, you know, doesn't trust Morgan Morgan Edge, has, knows his history. It's like, well, you know, he did this in another place and it turned out really terrible. You know, 
working conditions, you know, below minimum wage, like, you know, it's going to do the same thing here. And, you know, a lot of people in the town, you know, she's just like, you know, kind of the beginning of the series is kind of public enemy number one is kind of like, well, you just shut the hell up and let him bring these jobs here and everything. So I, I thought that's kind of, uh, you know, a good element that they brought into the show, even though it, it can be a little on the nose at times with some of the stuff they say, uh, you know, about that whole kind of issue of like, well, why you trust this billionaire and da 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 and you know, some of the kind of some of that stuff, like it can be a little on the nose. But I still thought it did a pretty good job at, at putting it in the series uh, as well. Um, and you also have kind of Dylan Wash in this, who, uh, Dylan Wash, who people know from Nip Tuck. Um, he plays uh, Sam Lane, who is Lois Lane's father, the general. Um, he's working with Superman and, you know, with the DOD, helping him, you know, kind of fight the crime uh, that's going on in Metropolis, in Smallville. And around the world. And what I like about this series is they also show him uh, going to, like, different parts of the world, um, helping people. So, like, one episode, mm-hmm. he'll go to China, or he'll go to Mexico, or he'll go, you know, like, oh, I hear an earthquake, gotta go here. Oh, I hear a bridge falling, gotta go here. Oh, I hear this bank robbery yeah. all the way. Su- Superman, yeah, Superman's actually saving people. Yeah, um, and that brings to the point of, you know, it's good to have good old classic kind of apple pie uh, country Superman back again, home values, where it's just kind of like it's not, I'm, mm-hmm. you know, the evil kind of very variants of Superman. It's not a Homelander or Omni Man. Uh, yeah, it, it's yeah. The way the way I I've come to look at the show, this is like this is kind of like Ted Lasso with superpowers, which is when Superman's done right, that's what he is. Mm, yeah that's a that's a good comparison yeah like you know just kind of this guy this uh, wholesome guy who cares about you know family and community and just you know loving thy neighbor and everything like that and just helping people and it's nice to kind of have that back again and who genuinely cares about helping people and i think you know tyler hoakland i think he does a very good job at portraying that and he looks a lot bigger too like he looks because i remember when he first showed up playing superman when he was in supergirl it looks like he put on a lot more muscle and everything like that it looks like he's a lot more in shape yeah and and it's not like the guy and it's not like the guy was ever in like not yeah jacked he just wasn't carrying as much muscle yeah as he is now as as he looks like now yeah, because it looks like yeah he is carrying a, yeah a lot more muscle now. Because like when he puts on the suit, which is a nice Superman suit by the way, I I do really like enjoy the suit. Mm-hmm. Um, it does. I mean, I guess it could be some padding in there, but when you see him just like regularly wearing like sweaters or shirts like that, he's still kind of all filled out like that. Like he still kind of guys all chest puffed out and you know what I mean, like chest and arms and everything like that. So he still looks kind of really good. So it's like yeah, I mean you know he bulked up more. Seems like to. You know, now that he has his own show now, yeah, bulked up way, way more. Um, yeah. Uh, what other kind of elements do you really love about this series there? Um, uh, another element I really liked was because uh, in the in the first episode, you got one of the villains, one of the villains of the show who's uh, played by a Woolley Parks as uh, Captain Luther that the that the like AI that he's working with name drops him. But there's a mystery involving his character about the circumstances of what Earth he came from and who he really is that is really fascinating. And towards the, I think, I think around uh, episode seven is where they reveal it. And that's probably one of the better episodes of the series. Also, um, with the whole uh, 
uh, Lois and Clark story. A lot of people uh, write it to where they do it a little bit of that early 2000s writing trap where, um, yeah, this girl fell in love with him because, because he is this hero. Here they do it the opposite way. Lois fell in love with Clark first. And that was just such a beautiful thing to watch, especially because the chemistry between uh, him and her and uh, Tyler Hecklin, it really feels like this couple has been together forever. And they've, they've raised a family together. They've been through, you know, they've been through some shit. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, she plays a great Lois Lane. I'm trying to find the actress's name here. Uh, her name is uh, I oh, think, uh, Elizabeth Tullock. Yeah, Elizabeth Tullock. She plays a really good Lois Lane, um, and you know, and this to see the scenes with them all interacting together as a family is also really nice. That uh, brings a great element to the series as well. Um, yeah, uh, and then you also have kind of another character in here. Um, you also have Wole, uh Parks in here who plays the Stranger. Um, you see, so uh, he's the one that's wearing the Doom costume, the Doom suit, uh, as you see, and <laughs> yeah. Um, he- yeah, he's uh, playing Doom guy. Yeah, pretty much yeah, Doom guy, and it, to see what his character develops into, and kind of his whole story is very interesting to watch. Um, I thought that was kind of very cool. Um, best thing I've seen done uh, with that character, uh, he is a character from DC Comics. Kind of one of the best things I've seen done with that character. I've I've seen in media, uh, you know, ever because you know if you like. If you know, if you've seen the show, I know what we're talking about, like the character he turns into from the comics that you gets revealed as. It's like, yeah, I mean, this is not like one of the best interpretations I've seen of him. This is the most character I've ever seen that character get um, in media. Uh, so I thought that was kind of very nice. Um, yeah, like you said, I think everybody kind of does a good job here. I think you know, uh, you know, Emily uh, uh, Emmanuel uh, Crook is her name, uh, who plays Lana Lang. Uh, Shrieky. Uh, Shrieky, um, I think she does really good, you know what I mean? And, you know, when she sees Clark again and kind of a little bit of that connection comes back. And I think, you know, she's very vital as the show goes on and shows how, you know, kind of competent she is, how good she is. Um, and kind of, you know, a little bit of that earning and desire to kind of want more out of life, you know, kind of being in this small town for her whole life and kind of wanting to see more. I thought that was kind of very good and, and, and kind of very well explored. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I really enjoyed the series. Um, I mean, I can't really say that much bad about it. I, I enjoyed it. I think you still could have cut it off, like, it has 15 episodes. I think you could have cut maybe three or five episodes off of this. Um, try to trim it up a little mm. bit more. Yeah, the effects don't look all that good, but I still think the, the show is good enough to, um, to kind of go beyond that. Uh, Morgan Edge, who's, uh, played by Adam Rayner, who's kind of the main villain of it. Not all that interesting, not all that good. He's kind of typical bad guy, villain, asshole kind of guy. Doesn't really well, do much. That's that's kind of that's that's kind of the problem with most uh, Kryptonian in uh, Superman lore. A lot of them are basically the same character. Yeah, um, and kind of you know the story about you know kind of the Kryptonians that we've seen a little bit before in other kind of Superman media, taking over Earth, wanting to repopulate the planet and bring back Krypton. I mean, that was the whole plot of Man of Steel. Uh, that was the whole <laughs> uh, premise of kind of other Superman media. So, yeah, I mean, that's kind of been done a lot. Um, but I still enjoyed the series, still had a good time watching. I still give it a strong 7.5 out of 10. What about you, man? Hmm. So, honestly, this is probably my favorite lot. 
expectation is Superman. It, it it checks pretty much every single thing I'd wanted out of an adaptation of Superman. Uh, you get the the wholesome like uh, vibe. You get that interesting family dynamic. You have uh, a season that, even though it is a little too long, there's not an episode that I can 100% say, sense say, yeah, you can cut this one. And uh, there, and like with most of these shows, there is a flashback that deals with um, like uh, kind of his past. That's probably the best episode of the season, and probably my favorite standalone uh, Superman story. Mm. I give this a solid eight out of ten. This is probably one of my uh, favorite shows of the year. Mm, wow! Uh, the episode that you talk about, I think it's called "Brief Rem- of Remembrance." I think is the episode you're talking about. Uh, yeah, uh, it's uh, episode eleven of uh, Remnant in between cataclysmic oh okay and this is kind of where you see where you see the uh clark kent's origin on on earth oh yes yes um yeah that yeah that was a really great episode yeah um yeah i still i still love seeing him you know him yeah that was pretty great him arriving in metropolis he had the homemade mom costume Mm -hmm. on you know um yeah that was pretty nice recreating the scene from the from his first appearance in the 1940s action comics uh, so that was pretty nice. Yeah, they do recreate that, and of course they bring in the classic Superman stuff that people know. You know, it was a bird, it was a plane. They do that in here. Uh, the world's finest. They mention that in here. So they do a lot of the classic Superman stuff in here uh, that people know and love. Um, I don't think this is. He didn't save a plane in this. I think this is kind of one of the first times I've seen Superman. He didn't save a plane because usually they always do that. They always do huh. save a plane in this, and he didn't do that. Um, and does the the line? It's the safest, you know. Statistically, it's the safest way to travel because that was in the very first Superman with Christopher Reeves, uh, nineteen seventy seven. Um, yeah, yeah. Movie came out in seventy seven. Superman. Yeah. No. Yeah. Oh, seventy eight. Seventy eight. That was a uh, Richard Donner. Yeah, Richard Donner. Okay. Yep. Seventy eight. Um, yeah. So I enjoyed it. Yeah, I would say Tyler Hoechlin is my second favorite live action Superman. I would say. I'm confident in mm. saying that. Yeah, second favorite. Yeah. I. Uh, and I liked Brandon Routh. I just thought he was just trying to do uh, Christopher Reeves' impression a little bit, which is kind of why they had him on uh, to do it, because uh, much, as much as he looked like him and everything. But uh, yeah. So all right. So moving on from discussing Superman and Lois, we're going to discuss Titans uh, season one, season two, since season three is out right now on HBO Max uh, that you can watch it. Uh, it used to be on the DC Universe, uh, but uh, now that they switched all the kind of the DC content media wise to hbo max so now dc universe uh, online is just kind of like just for comics primarily um so you know checking out this kind of series here um i know a lot of people kind of have been talking bad about it um i'd watched season one a while ago um uh, when it was kind of out and i thought it was pretty solid for the most part um i saw i remember seeing the trailer for titans mm-hmm. and thinking like it was trying way too hard to be edgy hardcore you know what i mean <laughs> and because i remember that trailer that happened yeah, the entire yeah it was like yeah trailers have like moments and the entire selling point is like hey we're saying fuck yeah you know dick grayson saying fuck batman he's snapping a guy's neck and stepping <laughs> on it and everything like that so it's like yeah it's hardcore you know edgy yeah look at us you know what i mean we're on a streaming service so we can be bloody and do all this other stuff so um yeah i was kind of like i don't know about that um one of the things that i really liked about watching titans is that how much it was so steeped in the dc lore because for someone like me who you know has consumed mm. a lot of dc stuff over the years in the media and watching the cartoons and reading the comics mm. and things like that 
it kind of is always kind of like you know seeing kind of new forms of them when they come out and different things oh go ahead yeah every time every time you see something like new in the dc universe you're always like wondering okay um who exists here what other around uh what's the world like how long is like batman been active where superman at is the flash a thing here and this one they 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 name drop enough that you, you, this world feels like yeah the doom control patrol could very well be hanging out here uh people like swamp thing could be around uh batman there's probably a dope superman and batman show going on in the background of this yeah yeah so like i like that like like those kind of heroes are already established they mention mm-hmm. batman they mention superman they bring in the sidekicks of a lot of those heroes obviously robin mm-hmm. uh they have the J- now, now that dick grayson's older he's not he's no longer robin he moved on uh even though he's still wearing the robin costume he fights crime in detroit um he's a detective uh but now the new robin is jason todd um he's the new robin now uh, but it also has like Wonder Girl, who is the sidekick to Wonder Woman. So obviously, Wonder Woman is a thing. And like, so I, I like stuff like that. Like that kind of already has that established stuff going on mm-hmm. in this world. So I don't have to. They don't have to do constant origins of these characters and everything like that, which is nice. Um, so I, I, I thought that was kind of a cool thing. Um, and you know, with this, I think some of the performances are okay. Uh, I think the, you know some of the acting is not always the strongest with this. Uh, for instance, like the guy who plays kind of one of the main leads, um, who the Robin is. Uh, his name is uh, Brendan uh, Thwaites. Is his name? Uh, yeah, Brendan Thwaites. Who you've seen him in stuff like uh, uh, like Gods of Egypt. You've seen him in uh, in uh, one of the last Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Mm. I-, I can't remember which one. Oh, I remember. I think he was like supposed to play uh, Orlando. Yeah, I think he was supposed to play like Orlando Bloom's son in one of those movies. Oh, he was the oh yeah, I remember him. Yeah, he was the Orlando Bloom replacement in that. Yeah, yeah, because it's like oh yeah, we couldn't get him anymore, so we gotta yeah we gotta fill him. We gotta get a new sexy looking white guy to kind of come in. Yeah, uh, he was we in. Uh, get another new pretty boy here. Yeah, uh, he was in Dead Man Tell No Tales. Yeah, uh, mm, okay, he was, he was in that one. Um, yeah, yeah, I forgot. I forgot he was in that. Yeah, well, honestly, I forgot all those pirates movies besides the first one. Honestly, uh, but um, <laughs> uh, yeah, um, you also have uh, Anna Diorp in here who plays Starfire. Uh, you got Tegan Croft who plays uh, Raven in this. You have Ryan Porter who plays Beast Boy. Um, you have Curran Walters who plays you know Jason Todd. Connor uh, Leslie, uh, Leslie she plays Deanna Troy who's the Wonder Girl. Uh, Mika Kelly, who's Dove. Uh, you have Hawk and Dove in this. Alan uh, Richardson, who plays Hawk in this. Um, so it has a lot of kind of the DC characters, DC you know kind of roster in here, which is which is pretty nice to see. So that one thing for me as a DC fan was pretty nice to see that kind of roster of heroes. Um, obviously, with these kind of shows, mm-hmm. superhero shows, it's tough budget wise to do a lot of the effects, um, to do a lot of the stuff. You know, you know, because like Starfire, a lot of her powers are so heavily special effect based. That it was kind of like okay, yeah, this doesn't look mm-hmm. good. Um, what did you kind of think about kind of coming into Titans season one and then now watching season two? What would kind of your thing in this? Uh, uh, coming into Titans season one, um, I it was I think I initially watched it more as as morbid curiosity because I I was because just based on that trailer, I think the marketing for the show was 
terrible. And there are definitely a lot of issues with production. This being uh, DC Universe's uh, first original, uh, there is, of course, going to be some hiccups with uh, just getting the show off the ground, getting the platform going, uh, uh, showing the streaming world what we are about and why you should come to our service. So season one, I think the first episode probably uh, uh, pretty rocky. I like uh, I think I liked some of the performances in here more often than not. I think uh, I think Brenton Thwaites, I think he he's not the strongest actor in the world, but he does carry uh, the show, because ostensibly he is the main character. I mean, most of the shows is... Most of the show's overarching plots directly involve Dick Grayson, which he is my absolute favorite DC Comics character, so I'm... I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt whenever Dick isn't <laughs> phrasing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I, I, I liked uh, how lived in the world feels. Uh, um, the One of the positives I'll say, the costuming is, the costuming of the, the show is fucking great. Robin, he has probably one of the best uh, live action interpretations of his suit. And, uh, as do uh, Hawk and Dove. Uh, their costumes look really great, and I think the chemistry with them works really well. Where the show failed, and it's even more of a problem in season two, uh, they it doesn't feel like they have a outline of where the series is going to go by the time the cameras start rolling. Especially in season two, it, the pacing was just so off that you'll get like two episodes involving Deathstroke, and then all of a sudden we're doing a flashback to to fucking Superboy's origin, who, that's his introduction episode. Hmm. Okay. So I think the pacing of the show, it leaves a lot to be desired, as does, you know, the overall writing. How do you like the action scenes? Um, in the first season, I thought the action was, was uh, well done for a, for a TV. Um, it felt like the choreography was there stunt performers they all brought their a game the one that that fucking irritates me to no end doesn't happen until the season two finale which is supposed to be a uh, nightwing's big debut it's because the entire show um this is after dick grayson leaves bruce wayne to kind of figure out where he is figure out uh some things about himself and season two it's building up to him becoming nightwing hmm and it's billed as one of the great action set pieces, and the editing is atrocious. Mm. <laughs> okay, because I haven't made it that far yet to season two. I'm kind of like halfway through it, and I haven't made it to the finale yet of season two. Yeah. Um, I will agree that I think the action scenes are pretty good, and the costuming is really nice. Like It is kind of like really good, like the Robin costume, Hawk and Dove, Deathstroke, his costume looks really good. Like A lot of that looks... Yeah, know, Death's, yeah I, w- I was amazed that they were able to still get a lot of mileage Deathstroke, especially because we've already had two other live-action versions of them. We've had a, a Manu Bennett's take in Arrow, and we've had a Joe Manganiello in uh, uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League, even though it was just like, hey, pose in this costume and look cool. Yeah. Joe Magnil did look good in the costume. He did look pretty good. Um, I did like Deathstroke in the Arrow show. I thought that was kind of a really good arc uh, with that whole character and everything like that. I thought that was kind of a great arc. Um, 
Yeah. Um, what do you? Because a lot of the show, I think, it doesn't really need to be as bloody as it is or as violent as it is. I get it. You know, a lot of it is tries to show the reality, like kind of a little bit of like shows like Invincible or Doom or Doom Patrol or kind of like The Boys, where it shows the kind of reality of being a hero and what that comes with, the violence that kind of comes with, mm. and you know. And I thought that was kind of a nice, interesting aspect. But I don't think the show really needs to be that this bloody or this violent or anything like that. What they have, and then with season two, when it opens up, because after season one, it ends on this big thing about uh, Raven's father coming back, Trigon, um, and he's gonna, you know, wreak this havoc. And then it, it's all over in just the first episode of season two. So I just felt like that was kind of a huge yeah, it, yeah, yeah. And a big thing is they they shot an entirely different extra two more episodes after because what ended up being the season one finale wasn't supposed to be it it was supposed to have two more episodes after but i guess the showrunners felt like you know what it's probably better if we end on a cliffhanger which is how the season one ends with uh what's billed as robin versus batman i remember the previews for that the week before it aired and it just uh gives an alternate reality where Bruce Wayne, where Batman straight up kills the Joker and goes on a killing ball. So, so Dick has to come back to Gotham to stop him. And it ends on a cliffhanger. It was like, if you can't guess it, it's a fucking trigon. Mm, yeah. Um, speaking of Batman, what did you think about Sir Friendzone uh, playing Batman? Anyway. <laughs> oh, um, oh, you mean uh, Ian Glenn, uh, Lord Commander? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um I <laughs> Um so with him I initially uh I think I have an issue with it because you can hear him struggling to keep that American accent a lot especially in his uh debut episode in the season 1 premiere and it, he's just a guy that looks so much older than you'd expect. I initially thought it was Alfred. Mm. But the Dang. longer the season goes on the more you, the more you interact with uh, what um, what I'm guessing is Dick Grayson's interpretation of how Bruce Wayne is, because for majority of season two, he's pretty much like a Jiminy Cricket character as a the voice in Dick Grayson's head, and you can tell that Iron Glenn is enjoying the fuck out of playing this character. It's sad that you don't ever see him, uh, you know, in the bat suit. You don't ever see him as Batman, but. I guess, you know, budget reasons. Mm. I would have liked to see their interpretation of a Batman costume, actually. Yeah, Yeah, and, yeah, I think uh, uh, I'm Glenn, he does an admirable job as Bruce Wayne. He's not my favorite take on the character, but he's also not my least favorite. Okay. Yeah, I was seeing a little bit of him. And I've I've started watching uh, season three, I think I'm caught up on episodes, I he gets a lot of more emotional beats in season three, especially because that's because the new season. A lot of it is concerning uh, the death of Jason Todd and uh, the Under the Red Hood storyline. Hmm. Okay. And the emotional beats of selling that more stable Bruce Wayne, he nails. Hmm. Well, yeah, England. He is sixty years old, so uh, you know, much much older kind of Batman. There uh, looks we... good for sixty, but you know, still sixty. Yeah, 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 very much. Still sixty. Um, so, are you? Because I've been hearing a lot of really more positive things about this season three of Titans more than I've heard about the other seasons. Uh, would you agree that you think so far season three of Titans is best season so far? 
I mean, for me, both seasons started out uh, really well, especially uh, season two. I liked it up until, I think, like the fifth or sixth episode. Uh, this new season, I think a lot of it is helped by some of the new additions to the cast because you have uh, uh, one of the shocking additions is uh, Vincent Carthizer as playing a Scarecrow. And every scene he's in, he is chewing up scenery. And he is so entertaining to watch that you almost feel like... Um, like, uh, whenever they're interacting, you feel like Brenton Thwaites' acting gets better. You feel like, uh, Curran Walters, you feel like his performance is, is elevated. Hmm. Okay. That's nice. So, what would you rate season one, season two, and then season three so far? Or would you want to wait for season three? Uh, um, I, I, I can rate. So, season one, I'd say it's a solid six and a half out of ten. It starts really strong, but it's... And, well, it starts okay, it gets better as it goes on, but it's hurt by ending on a cliffhanger that isn't really earned or mm. or makes any sense to end your season at that point in the story. Uh, season 2, I'd say it's probably closer to 5 out of 10. Uh, it starts out strong, the first couple episodes are really good. It introduces uh, Joshua Orpin as a Superboy, which is one of my favorite editions of that uh, to the show, but the pacing of the episode and the f- dog shit finale, <laughs> it lowers it like by like five points. Uh, season three so far, um, the action is a lot better. The tone, I think, works a lot well. Um, uh, Curran Walters, this is probably his best performance on the show so far as Jason Todd. And I l- still am a big fan of the group dynamic between the entire cast. The exception being uh, uh, the fourth episode, which I'd say is the weakest of the season so far. So right now, I'd say it's a solid 7 out of 10. Okay, it's pretty nice. Just off the first five episodes that are good. Okay, it's pretty good. It's pretty good so far, yeah. Um, so the outline for this season is just going to be dealing with kind of with season three, the aftermath of Jason Todd's death and... Whether or not, like, you know. yeah, they're doing, yeah, season three, it's basically under the. Hmm, okay, all right. Uh, very, like, uh, season one is. Doing... Yeah, the show, it, the, uh, the overarching stories take a lot from classic Titans. So, the first season, it was uh, doing Terror of Trigon. Uh, season two, it was doing uh, the, uh, the Judas contract in a very roundabout way. Hmm, okay, all right, very good. Um, all right, we're gonna get out of here. Thank you for that, Nick. Thank you so much, man. Uh, yeah, of course. Um, all right, so we're gonna get out of it, here. It, it, yeah, I'm in a fucking abusive relationship with every, every time, like, I think, oh my god, the show is fucking terrible, and then I watch, no, it ain't that bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I mean, I don't hate the series. I mean, I watched it, like I said, I. I think it's fun enjoyment for what it is. Uh, you know, I mean, I don't think it's on the level mm-hmm. of other comic book series like Doom Patrol or you know something like The Boys. Oh fuck no! You know, um, even oh, sw- fuck no. Even and sw- speaking of do- speaking of uh, oh. Doom Patrol, that's coming back in a few weeks, and I'm hyped. Yeah, yeah, we should we should do that too. We should do a season one and two review of that too when that comes back for season three. Uh, oh hell yeah, I'm down. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like it's it's Swamp Thing, which had beautiful effects in Swamp Thing. Man, Swamp Thing looked great in that show. Yeah, it's a shame that it's a shame that the accounting de- uh fucked up so badly. Yeah, because that could have been that 
honestly should still be in the conversation with stuff like Doom Patrol, The Boys, and Invincible. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's not on the level of those series, you know, but uh, I think it's like, you know, kind of like, you know, kind of this level of like CW series like The Flash or Arrow or something like that. Kind of level like that for those shows. Um, I hear Stargirl is really great. Mm-hmm. I've been meaning to check out Stargirl. I keep hearing really great things about that show as well. Uh, yeah, me as well. I heard the first season spectacular and uh, I'm hearing good things about season two that's currently airing. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah I have to check out Stargirl as well because I've been meaning to check that out. Um, all right, so we're going to head out of here. Hey, that was a great show, people. Getting a new follower today. Um, so that's pretty nice. Thank you again, that Aqua Medic, uh, for dropping that follow. Really appreciate it. Uh, now, we are officially Twitch affiliated. Um, just want to give a big thanks uh, to all the people that have been guests on the show. People like Jenna, uh, people like Reese, uh, people like... Uh, type um, hashtag socials. I mean, excl- exclamation mark socials. Ah, got it. Uh, there, I changed the, uh, oh, the so, com- so. Uh, commands there. Uh, socials with an S at the end. Yeah, I gotcha. Yeah, um, and then for shout out, there we go. Uh, yeah, for shout, yeah, for and for the shout out, j- just do exclamation mark uh, so uh, for just shout out. Um, and then YouTube is just uh, 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 exclamation mark. Ah, goddamn it. Yeah. Um, and, uh, for YouTube, just, uh, <laughs> exclamation mark YT is what I put for there. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so, you know, a lot of people, you know, you know, we now officially Twitch affiliated. Um, just want to give a big thanks to, you know, people who've premiered on the guests on the show, people like the Stream Queens who've came by. So big thanks to Sadie's and Sarah and Vivian, uh, TV, really great. Uh, people like Jenna, Reese, Rose, uh, Jenny, Jenna. Uh, you know, people <clears throat> that have all kind of guessed on here, uh, Adrian, uh, yeah, people, yeah, people that have come on, uh, when, uh, uh, one of us weren't around people like, uh, Michael Flynn, uh, Josh Hunter. Yep. Michael Flynn, Josh Hunter. Yeah. Those guys, really great guys. Um, I haven't met, uh, Josh, I don't think yet. I haven't met him yet. Cause he was out, uh, he was in when I was uh, out for, uh, I think a little bit. So <laughs> got to meet him, got to have him on yeah. when I'm on. Um, so yeah, um, you know, really great guests. I mean, they, they, you know, you know, I'm really grateful that they take time out of their day to come on the show, talk about some bullshit with us for a little bit. Um, so that's very much appreciated. Then also, you know, just much love from, you know, other Twitch streamers as well. Um, you know, uh, people like, uh, you know, uh, Riki, you know, who does a really great job streaming, you know, uh, she does really great and, uh, like Morningwood, um, you know, he does really great. Um, so Really great streamers all around, you know what I mean. Great communities that I've I've you know seen, and they've also helped me, supported me. So um, much love to them, very much so. So I mean, and so now you know we are there. So next step is Twitch partner. Next step is getting there, getting that you know requirements yeah. from there. There, uh, do you have your dog with you? Uh, get there. Um, nah, uh, my partner she had to take her to the uh, tur- to the veterinarian. She got an appointment today. Oh, okay. Um, so I was going to tell people, hey, we, since we are affiliated for just $5 a month, um, you can help feed this Asian man <laughs> and his dog. Uh, you know, they're living there, uh, for just, for just $5 a month to spare. You can, you can help for, for just five, for, for just $5 a month. You can help a spoiled brat continue yeah. to eat. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. So it's just, you know, subscribe, you know, get those bits, do all that good stuff. You know what I mean? Uh, follow, of course, you know, Twitch, we're on here. Um, so that's pretty great. So if you can, uh, you know, always help us out. 
Um, and uh, so, Nick, where can people find you, man? All right, you can find me uh, Twitter, Instagram at Night and Day Nick. Mm, nice, nice. Um, so, of course, you can follow us on all the socials. Um, that if you're on our Twitch page, uh, all the socials are listed. But if you're just watching us on YouTube, um, of course, we're on Instagram at The Afternoon Tune. Uh, we are on TikTok at The Afternoon Tune. We're also on Facebook at The Afternoon Tune. have our own Facebook page as well as fan page. Um, we also on Twitter at Afternoon Tune. And you can also send us an email at TheAfternoonTune at gmail.com. And we are wherever you listen to podcasts, so Spotify Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, uh, Anchor. We're also there as well. You can listen to shows just audio-wise. And, of course, we're also on YouTube um, at YouTube.com slash Afternoon Tune. Um, help, you know, comment there, subscribe there, let us know what we're doing right, let us know what we're doing wrong, give us some kind of constructive criticism there, uh, build up kind of that platform. Um, so, to all you people out there, hope you enjoyed the show and don't forget to always stay tuned. Stay tuned.